What is going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and I thank you for joining me. This episode is with Chad Yaya Boucher. You might know him from uh, the Ronnie Dizon docs. You might know him from Houston Heat. You might know him just as Yaya from just the paintball hemisphere itself. Maybe maybe atmosphere. Maybe because hemispheres is half. Anyway, this dude has been all over the place. Uh, well known. He has been the face of, of many teams, companies, and he is just an all-around awesome guy. And I'm so glad to be able to sit down and, and chat with him and kind of get his story and his background and, uh, and, and hear it straight from him. So uh, we, we never really got to sit down and, and talk like this before. And it's been a, it's been a while, too, because, uh, you know, with me not being in the game for a while and... Uh, not having that contact is tough, but being able to sit down and do a podcast with him has been uh, has been awesome, and I'm really really stoked that uh, that we were able to do it, and I think you're gonna like this one. So, without further ado, here is the podcast with Chad. Yeah, yeah, Boucher. Dude, I'm digging the hat. Thank you. It was my great grandfather. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he. Uh, he has, I, I don't know, I don't know the story behind it. I don't know when he got it. I don't know, I know zero about it just because there's so much time in between him and I. Yeah, yeah. I just know that it was his. I saw a picture with him wearing it, and then I saw a picture when I was probably, I don't know, two. I was wearing it, and yeah. then somehow I just ended up with it. And, That's uh, sweet. And I, yeah, and I kept it, and I've, I've been wearing it ever since, and I... I don't know how it stayed in one piece, dude. With how much traveling I've done and how much, how many places I've taken this thing and how many times I've moved, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I still have half the shit that I have with. Dude, I I was just looking at all my jerseys because I have jerseys framed and then I have jerseys uh, like from players and stuff. And I was like, what? I was like, how do I have all this? Like, how is this still even possible? (laughs) I know. I was like, this is, I'm just lugging this stuff around. It's terrible. I know. Especially for as long as we've been playing. I mean, what year did you go pro? 2005? Four. Four. With Tipman. Yeah. Oh, Tipman went pro? Yeah, pro seven man. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you guys were just pro-am and then uh, Excessive found you there. Mm-mm, no, we, we went pro 2004 in seven man, and um, we didn't do too bad. But, I mean, obviously we were trying to work with what we had. But, um, but yeah, we went pro in 04, and then I went uh, to Excessive at the end of 04 into 05. How many guys from that Tipman team went pro? Okay, so the team that I played on was the team that had um, a couple of the guys that I played with were locally, but then the other guys were from lockout. Um, okay, like Paul McCord and those guys, or um, yeah. oh I guess he was OBR. Yeah, yeah. This was like um, God. I so can't when remember. did Tim and Fatty and those guys play on the team? Before me. That was oh, all. That was a year or two to, before me. And then they went to oh, what Detroit Fusion, Fusion and yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And that was an was that an NXL team? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they Tim played got on recruited to Philly, and then they went from there. Right. They played on the they played on the Tipman. There was a seven man team before I got on there, and then there, I think there was also a ten man team that they both played on. And that was the same team, I believe, that Cody Smick and um, uh, who else was on the team? Uh, 
I can't. I can't even think right. Drew Hire. Drew Hire. There he is. That's yep. I saw. You know why you reminded me of that? Is I saw his picture or of his jersey today. Steve Castella was selling it. Hmm. He was selling Cody Schmicks from Dynasty, his Dynasty jersey, which I was like, this is a sweet jersey. I don't oh, know yeah. if you should sell this. And then uh, Drew Hires, and then I don't know which which jersey it was from Drew Hire, and then he had somebody else's jersey. Maybe it was like Sam's or somebody, because it said Houston. Oh, no, no, it was an old school Houston Heat jersey, like when like Rab and his dad like owned the team. I didn't know there was a, a Houston Heat prior to the 12, 2012 team. Oh yeah, that's a, uh, there's a big long. I can tell you that big long story. Yeah, let's do it. You want to do it? I'm I'm in. I'm dig in because I have no idea. Right. Um, okay, so when we first started, so I started from Aftershock going up to Canada with Randy Smith, and then he, um, like we accumulated players like back and forth on like different ideas and things like that, and then Justin Rabikoff and I were talking on the phone. He's like, we should create a pro team because he was kind of sick of like over the Russian thing right at that mm-hmm. point, and I mean he was obviously like. He's still great, but he was like the kid that was a snake kid in um, before he'd even backed up to be a, like a back player now. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, hey, we should form a team because me, him and Greg were going to Mexico. We were going to play other tournaments, like random tournaments. And uh, I'm sitting in Texas and then Ryan Smith sitting next to me and I'm getting Randy on the phone. He's like, let's do it because I knew Randy wanted to create a team already mm-hmm. because what he was spending to have a divisional team, he could have had a pro team. Right. Like, I mean, for a divisional team to come up, and that's where obviously Ronnie and LJ came from, but for them to come up and have all that money spent on he's like, I can just have a pro team. And then, uh, so Justin uh, was in on it originally, and then Steve Rabikoff with GI, obviously. Um, Steve's like, hey, you guys should call the team Houston Heat, because you know that's what me and my dad had, and uh, we were all about it, because obviously Justin was going to be on the team. So for him to carry that legacy on, and then all of a sudden one day, Sam and I were sitting in the Philly house, and like nobody really knew we were creating the team yet. Like, Ryan and Tim like had an idea um but like we weren't really saying much because we were still trying to recruit guys and uh but you knew it was a go for sure yes and then we on the internet one day it was like a sunday night and sam like sends me this like announcement from tampa damage and it's like justin rabikoff is and dave baines are going to tampa damage so i'm calling justin like hey dude (laughs) um we just worked on all this stuff blah 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 like we're talking like all these players and now you're out he's like ah he's like yeah i think this is where we're gonna go this year and i was like Dude, we just did like a whole month's worth of work. Like, so then we were at square one. Cause then once Justin and Dave were out, like that pulled a lot of guys out. Oh, like, Dave was like, in too. Dave, Dave was in on it. And then, um, so right then and there, I was like, what the fuck? Right. And I was just like kind of blown away, but I was like, okay. Like, and Sam's like, it's cool. Like, we'll figure it out. And, uh, like one of the last guys we brought on the team was Chad George because he was still with Dynasty and he was on Impact at the time. And, um, the first year he still had to use an eclipse gun. So mm-hmm. we created the whole team and then, you know, we're picking up players left and right. And then we made deals to get chosen as a coach. And then, cause Randy wanted a coach at the time. Right. Um, he just didn't have like the paintball IQ for it. And then, uh, or really an experience, like what we should have expected. Um, and as me, Sam, and then Randy got four of his own guys, three of his own guys. He got, well, his son, Ryan Smith. And then he, he was pushing for, um, John Woodley and Ronnie Dizon, mm-hmm. who are at this point in their career are just literally booming, which I guy like literally when he was pushed for him, he saw, he's like, I see so much potential in these guys, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, they're just crushing it right now for those two to come up like they did. And then they got cut, went to Abstract, 
and then come back like Ronnie came back and then it's just unbelievable. But yeah. I think their their work ethic changed uh, in paintball, especially Ronnie's. Ronnie works hard. I don't know mm-hmm. how much LJ works. He, I mean, he plays on a good team, but uh, Ronnie works hard and it shows every time he goes out to play. Yeah. So, um, so where yeah, was your where was your headspace during all this? Because you were playing with Aftershock at the time. So right? and this is this is what happened to me. I was playing up in Canada, right, with uh, with Randy and Matt Blonsky. Um, and I kind of like, um, became friends and, uh, this one, Justin was still on the Russians. This is how Justin and I actually got close and Fedorov and I got close. Um, Matt Blonsky called me when I was on Aftershocks, like before, right before the fourth event in 2011. And our team was kind of spiraling already like out of control. Like we, um, Solomon, the team had di- disbanded and then like we were just losing guys left and right. We were picking up guys that we didn't, we weren't really sure about. And then, uh, is this when Tim running- was on the team too? No, Tim had already left. That was uh-huh. another thing too. Is we just had a great season, in 2010, took second at World Cup, and then uh, it was, so then it was just literally like we didn't have a coach, we didn't have anything going on. We had Jake Whitaker come and mm. coach us like in 2011. That didn't go well for an event, and then we so everybody's trying to figure out like what they're going to do in their career and everything else. But Matt Blonsky hits me up and he's like, "Hey, do you want to come try out for the Russians?" And I was like. Oh, that'd be awesome. Like, no, like they were the only team like that. I really knew I was really getting any kind of money mm-hmm. other than like Philly. And I was like, man, I get paid to play paintball. This would be awesome. And it wasn't that like Aftershock was a bad situation because like that, that's where all my friends were. But Ren told me, he's like, if you go try out for another team, then I'm going to cut you. I was like, well, then I'm just going to cut myself. Uh, and I respect right. it. I got Which it. Which made right. sense from his part, but also made sense, you know, you want to move on. That's a lot of people don't understand is like Ren spent a lot of money before we even got there on players that had just kept leaving him. And you know, like that's one thing that like I understood why he didn't want to continue to dump money into the team because he did spend a lot of money on getting players like Nicky Cuba and I mean he had Mike Paxson and then he had Hinman and like but he had winning teams. So yeah, mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money, but at the same time then those guys are turning around leaving and going for better deals, you know, or right. bigger deals. And uh like I mean, I think he was like by the time I got on the team, he was just figuring out different ways on how to save money and make the make the engine still run. Right. So it kind of sucked because, yeah, paintball was super like at a decline. It was 2008 and then up into 2010, like we made it work. I don't know how we figured it out so many different times. Even to get Tim and those guys was crazy <laughs> yeah. um, because Tim came from Philly and I was like, fuck. But then yeah. Tim made a good deal and looked out for a lot of his guys like Sundabillis, Sam. And uh, we made that happen. And then when Tim left after one year, I was like, man, I don't know. I think this is going to even work. Mm-hmm. So I took the tryout, um, did not end up making the team with the Russians for that event. And then uh, tryout in Mas- Moscow. No, it was a tryout in New York. So they flew me to New York. I try out and then I really didn't have a good tryout. Like I look at it back at it now. I probably thought at the time I, I played well, but I did not. Um, I think I had like one good day out of three mm. and, uh, I just, I wasn't at their caliber of gunfighting. And I remember we were sitting in a restaurant and Rab's like, like, uh, Justin was like, Hey, he's like, literally like everybody walked away and he's like, Hey, I want you to be on this team. Cause we like you. He's like, but you got to stop trying to gunfight any of us. Cause I was losing every gunfight to him. And I mean, that's what they thrived on. Right. Right. And then, um, he's like, just make moves, but just be smart about it and then go from there. And then on the last day I played well and they told me that I played really well and that's what they wanted to see from the beginning. Um, but then they, uh, they decided to go with what they had and then bear somehow weasels way in there for an event. And then, uh, hmm. Kirill. Yeah. Cause it's right when like HK and the Russians are like, right. where like, and that's when bear was with them. So I don't know. I don't know personally if they made a deal with them or like how, you know, how bear is, he sure. makes his own deals. But then, um, 
But it's a blessing for me though because you know Randy was super supportive of me um, going to tryout for him once that didn't work. Um, I stayed in touch with Justin and then we started doing that and then Fedorov and I talked. I was making calls to to Moscow and like at two o'clock in the morning just to talk to Fedorov and he's like, hey, you know, I have Mishka that wants to come and I was like, I didn't know a lot about Mishka at the time. And so uh, you knew he wanted to leave. Yes. Yeah. I knew Fedorov wanted to leave because um, I just from talking to him previously because he wasn't he wasn't even happy like when I didn't make it. He's like, I think that we should just keep him on. And he went to he went to bat for me on it. And he's like, I think we should just bring. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's good atmosphere and we can we can train him how to be better. And uh, I was all about it because I didn't have anything else at the time. And sure. I didn't know any I didn't know anything that the caliber that they knew. And uh, so then they played New Jersey. They went either one and three or oh and four at that event. Right. And so it didn't go well for him. So then they like I talked to Kirill and he's like, hey, if you want to come out before World Cup, you can do this with us. You can try it like or come back and practice with us again. He's like, I don't know how much you'll play, but you can try this again. And I wanted to do it, but uh, Randy wanted me to focus on CXBL. And that's when the CXBL was down at World Cup. Yeah. So I didn't really have an opportunity to go down and do that. And then uh, he's like, hey, we'll figure something out for the next season if you just continue to do this with me. And uh, I was like, all right, that's fine. Like you have my full attention. And we just went from there. And I ended up, when I quit the team uh, that year, Aftershock, Randy paid for the team to play seven man. And Aftershock won the seven man event. Um, I just left like um, a month before that. So I was like, that kind of, <laughs> it was kind of, it kind of stung at first, right? Cause I was like, all oh, my friends went in the, like, their first pro event and things like that. Right. Um, and they, how they won was incredible. So I was just like, man, shit, like, I should have been there and he kept asking me he's like just come play with us and I was like no I'm not gonna I was like, I'm not gonna try to step on anybody's toes because I'd, I'd I'd opted out myself out of like leaving so I was like all right yeah and uh, so I didn't feel it was right that I come and try to play with the team um, but then you know it just kind of all fell into place in the off season. Uh I drove up talked to Nick told him like because that's when shock for him I didn't even know like I think they they built a team and then Damien and Brad left um, to for infamous, infamous. At the time? yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, it was funny too because at the, at that point um, I was playing seven man with Mutiny for an event, and Todd asked me to play with him, and I was like, "Can I bring Damien with me?" And then Damien's like, "Can we bring Brad?" And I was like, "Hey, can we all three come together?" And then Todd's like, "We have only have space for two, but since they're already sponsored by an Empire team because they were playing on uh, Legend, I think it was, mm. so they were going to play X Ball with him." And it, he's like, "We're going to take both of them," and I was like, "That's fine." Like it was because I knew I, I knew what me and Randy were working on, so I couldn't really go with Damien or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so then that got opted out and it, it's kind of weird cause it all just like fell into place the right way for me. Like I look back at it like eight years later and I'm like, shit, man, that could have been like a wild ride cause half those guys don't even play anymore. So I'm yeah. like, shit, like it was crazy. But we, uh, built the team and then, um, Chad George is one of the last guys we brought on and then, um, yeah, we just went to work after that. And then it was like literally just practicing for we drive two hours of practice, play for six to eight hours and drive two hours back. And we were in Houston for just weeks on end, just practicing, practicing, practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember there was a there was a little stint there. I think it was at the end of 14 into 15. I had talked to uh, I remember I talked talking. To yeah, yeah. Yeah. For a little and, bit. Uh, yeah. We wanted you for sure. It's right when so we couldn't talk about like um, Tim and those guys coming. I remember. And then uh I remember Tim bringing you up being like, Hey, Carl's fast. So we need to get him. I was like, I know Carl's fast. I was like, um, I was like, I've been friends with Carl for a long time. And he literally, um, when they made their deal, we brought on Greg. And then, uh, once you decided you were going to stay with Aftershock and I was like, man, shit. And then you guys end up kicking our ass the first event. Um, oh yeah. On Aftershock. We went, we went to the event 
I'm not sure if the relegation was there yet. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because we lost the damage in the relegation game. Um, 2014. And then uh, they literally, I remember Aftershock sending you one way and four guys would go the other way. And you would <laughs> handle it. You would handle it. And I'm like, it's one guy. We got to just catch this one guy. We have this whole side of the field that we could not catch you. And I was like, oh, my God. That but, was, uh, I remember because that was the event where it had like kind of a crazier snake. Like It was like um, – Yeah. It was – Everything was attached, but it would kind of had like arms and shit coming off of it. It wasn't a ladder mm-hmm. snake, but it was kind of like an angle. It was like a, it was almost like a fifty-ish seven-man snake with a, yeah. with a fifty. You know, so and that's what I remember that event too because I'm like I want to play this like seven-man because it it was kind of a slower-ish side, yeah. but that was fun. That was a really fun event. It was good because. Like your team could send you, you guys did really well, I think too. You guys went into Sunday, I believe. And, uh, but your team could send you out there and you were like one of like three guys in the entire league that can make it out there, stay alive. And then you're uh, the other side of the field went down the field. I'm like, fucking great. I'm like, you guys gotta be kidding me. We played horrible. We got relegated. That was awesome. But, uh, you know, it takes shit like that to happen to, to build great teams. You know, it, to go it humbles you. Yeah. It humbles you, man. Like it, uh, like I remember when we, we played relegation three times that year. And I hated the whole relegation thing because obviously nobody wanted to be knocked down right. in the like in the pro league. But it was bad because you had a lot of high profile teams that year that were taken care of from their sponsors, but their sponsors aren't paying for them or they're not giving them stuff to not be on the webcast. Right. That's what was hurting the pro teams. And so the I concept's good though. Yes, yes. Yeah. It it weeds it out where you can you have the strong teams play right mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was it was good because you didn't want to mess up like and it was like I like the concept of it but I didn't like it for the sponsors point of view because like if you were a high profile team like damage heat x factor infamous at that time like we we're all factory teams and we're all playing these relegation matches and I'm like this is bad if we're playing down because we're not on the webcast I'm like shit right. like this is horrible like this is not what they give us stuff for and uh, so I felt like bad for our sponsors that they had to give us anything and then we're not showing representation on the on the webcast we were down there we got relegated, and then we played an event. We won it, and then uh, came back, and then played in the finals, the very next match, and or the very next event in Chicago. So it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, I would I would take the I, the champs and challengers back if if they took away uh, split deck. Okay, because then you got you got ten teams to focus on right there. Mm-hmm. I feel split deck is good for time. Um, as far as time management goes, because it's just with sunlight and everything else. Um, but it is confusing for people who don't understand paintball. That's what's hard about it. Yeah. So like, like when you got families that are trying to watch the people that they know play, um, professional paintball and it's like, shit, like, how do you know who's up or what's going on if you don't know the sport, you know? Yeah. It's not good for storytelling and for, over, and for making, uh, what I feel is good momentum in a match. Like like your momentum all almost teeters on what the other two teams are playing, like, like what their momentum mm-hmm. is too, because mm-hmm. it, let's say you get a couple point lead and you're, you're in a good spot, but then you get, you, you go back in the pits. Next point is other teams and it's a four or five minute point mm-hmm. or something Takes like it that. Away. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. You're kind of just sitting there and you're watching and you're just like, all right, well now your adrenaline's kind of slowly going away and yeah. yeah, it definitely. And then when you get to Sunday in the finals, there's no split deck anymore, and it's like go 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 go. And That's I was like, a totally oh, different shit. game. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's like now you better hope you have a deep ten man, ten man <laughs> roster because we're gonna use it. So, but yeah, it uh, it's definitely hard. It's definitely hard at the time, and uh, 
I mean, yeah, yeah. You didn't want to mess up in Champions Challengers, but then you also still wanted to make sure you, if you could put down a top team. Like when we put down Dynasty and the fourth event that year into relegation, they couldn't play for, and Infamous is already down there, they couldn't play for the World Cup. And that was right. huge because it's, I mean, it's Dynasty, not be able to play for the World Cup. Yeah. That was a small victory in our pocket because we put them down there and we're mm-hmm. like, well, we're not going to see them at World Cup. So, and they yeah. had a really good team. So, put away threat. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it just got crazy. So, so is Houston Heat the first team that you were on where you legitimately got paid? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, on Aftershock, I didn't. I think we got a gun a year. That was it. Right. And then, I mean, yeah, you know the deal there. It's just like barely got any pain or anything else. But the thing is also with Houston Heat, it, um, it wasn't just about getting paid, but Randy wanted us to focus on practicing during the week on the weekends and he knew it was going to be take people's time. So he made sure that, you know, he took care of our compensation as far as if we don't have time to get a real job or at least start a career, then, you know, he was going to take care of us. Right. And that was nice because you just had to focus on just playing paintball. And a lot of us, it's worked out because of the fact that like, you know, we are at a different caliber than a lot of other teams that are trying to come up because we've, we have the opportunity. Like people ask me now, like, what are you guys doing now that like the season's not going on? And I'm like, well, like we're still going to practice during the week. And mm-hmm. Literally, just it's, it's just what we do. So I mean, it's what you're paid for. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so, so like when we don't win things, or it's just really disappointing to a lot of guys, just because like you know that's all it's, it's what we thrive on. It's like what this team was built for and everything else. So yeah, we've made small mistakes here and there on certain things we've done, but uh, we played a lot more when the team started, and I don't know if it was a hunger thing or like people just got complacent or comfortable with things, mm-hmm. but. Um, I feel like now with this break, with everybody's having a break, I feel like the team could come back and want to have that drive again, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's like uh, we've been kind of watching a, ho- a couple hockey games, and a lot of the teams that were playing like dog shit during the regular season are now playing really well during this. Yeah, season. yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a different atmosphere, too, because imagine, imagine going back out and playing the season. The season mm-hmm. starts back up again, but there's yeah. nobody. There's no. It's almost like going, and there's nobody in the crowd, and there's no divisional teams. Yeah. It's just pro teams, and you go out there, you play. It's just you guys, and you go home. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a momentum. Like when you saw a lot of people feed off the crowd. Like I know, like mm-hmm. somebody like Thomas Taylor, he feeds off the crowd. Yeah, and you got other guys that like they enjoy it too. Some guys don't really care for it, but uh, like I've been doing these one on one events. I've done a couple now, and uh, like having a crowd there is nice, and you, you feel it. But at the same time, it's like if you're there, just to, once you step in those lines, it's like you just got to turn it on and turn it off. Right. And some people can do it, some people can't, and it's hard. So, yeah, especially it's it's got to be a different different atmosphere too when you're doing the one on ones rather than you know the, a, a team. Yeah, um, when I played Pro Tour back in June against uh, Pat Craft, um, I've never felt like a pit bull in a cage until that moment. Like I never felt. I mean, like, yeah, I got played in a lot. I played in five World Cup finals, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel the pressure like I did in that one on one with Pat Craft. Because um, it was a little different because we didn't know the score ever when we played each other. Really? We didn't know how long. Yeah, we, they, we did, the scoreboard wasn't working. We uh-huh. didn't know like, what was going back and forth. Like um, I didn't even know that I was up on him that far until after I watched the match um, uh, like over after it was done. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was way up on him and uh, I had no idea because then it would have changed my momentum of how I would have played. Right. And knowing that, you know, that would have been nice. And then um, – we went nonstop. Like the the field was built wrong in the morning, so they had to redo it. So it took like they were like two hours behind. How is it built wrong? It's the same bunkers 
Even it, is, <laughs> it is. So whoever whoever built it, they had to rebuild it in the morning. So then okay. they were like, hey, we're not going to have you guys come off the field. You're just going to stay on, and then we're going to bring you paint. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, it'd be nice to walk off, get air, figure out what I did right or wrong. But then right. they were just like literally like boo-boo. And then they were like, hey, it's going to be time. So it's one minute in between. I'm like, before anybody who's played it before has never had a timer. So they could go right. off, take their time, clean themselves up. I remember at one point, like uh, the kid who was bringing me out paint was like, hey, you have a hit on your face and walked away. And I'm like, you're supposed to get that off of me. And I tell him, I'm like, hey, like, what is the deal here? And uh, so yeah. like, I'm not in your pit, bro. Wipe yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, but no, it was fun, though. Like, um, I really liked it because I got to play a lot of paintball. Absolutely. And I'm always bitching at, like a lot of my guys. Like, I never get to play enough or anything else. <laughs> and it gave me the opportunity to play. And yeah. that's all. That's all I really cared about was playing. I trained a lot with Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie worked with me a lot. Like he'd show up every single time I wanted to go play, and we were playing three, four times a week and just nice. playing one on one. So it was real nice. That's awesome, dude. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then um, I also just went and played the ultimate shootout. Hell yeah! Um, I played uh, Nick Sloviak, and that can't we can't really reveal any results from that, but. Uh, that's it's a whole different game. I'm not sure if you watch the Ultimate Shootout or if you mm-hmm. watch Pro Tour at all, but um, it kind of reminds me that's two different formats because um, you know how it's all worked with like Pro Tour, yep. with like the, how the point system is, and yep. then everybody thinks it's kind of chintzy with the buzzers, but it's really not because it adds another strategy to the game. Yeah, and um, it's a lot of moving because it just depends, I guess, on the layout or like if you're up or down or what you have to do. Um, but I like it because it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, you get to play a lot of paintball and that's what it, like anybody who doesn't have a huge budget or anything else or is trying to play paintball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good because you can get out there. You can play these one on ones and you're playing a lot of paintball. Like I get it. You're not playing five on five all the time. But when you do this, you're doing things to make yourself better. So when you go back to your team, it's going to work out. Right. It, so. It's paintball regardless. Correct. Yeah. So when a lot of people are like, oh, like I remember asking a few guys if they wanted to go to it and they were like, nah, that's not really for me. It seems kind of chintzy. I'm not really about the buzzers, but I'm like, but you haven't really seen it. Like you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, I had Ryan brand as my coach and you know, it's just like, uh, just how it, just how it all lays out and, um, how it all played out or it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, I, is the field smaller? Yes. The field's smaller. The bunkers are smaller. Um, it was actually kind of nice cause I could see over bunkers <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's got three different buzzers, which is like you have the option to hit um, any of the buzzers that you go for, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it gives you just different options to do different things in the game. But like you want to go for buzzers, or you want to you're on a kill streak, or if a guy's behind, he's got to force it and go for buzzers. Right. And it's just it's just a lot of different strategy. Um, I will say, um, having Ryan Brand there in my ear to explain the situation to me in between a one minute point uh, or in one minute in between each point was nice because. You literally like you don't have time to think about what you have to do right or wrong or what the situation is, and you get paint and air and wipe yourself off if you get shot. Right. So it was like it was nice having uh, him there for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was the only thing when I was watching it. I felt like the field, and this is just obviously a personal opinion of who the fuck cares what I think, but um, I feel like the like expand the field just a little bit more and make those. I don't know, make the make a little bit more of a gap between the lanes because I see a lot of people. I see a lot of people getting shot and playing on, like, and and still running a lot. And I don't yeah. know if there is there any consequence to that or is it just like so there is um, now. So you kind of see it in the last couple where, like, even on Monday night, Jesse Stevens went down. He was in the negative twice, 
um, for playing on and overshooting and things like that. Um, <laughs> overshooting? Yeah. And I mean, they were shooting, the, like they didn't even stop. They just kept shooting each other. And so then they're like, okay, like, and I get it. They don't want there to be malicious intent and they were just right. shooting shit out of each other. And, uh, it was kind of crazy because if they did catch you playing on or whatever the refs, I felt like the refing was really good. Um, when I went because they would catch things and sure. they, they would like, they would know if a guy hit a buzzer before or whatnot. And if he was playing on, then he got a penalty. Um, and then I'm not really sure. Like, I know that you can get like a negative five, a negative three or negative two, for for cheating or moving forward like that but gotcha. um i felt like in these two seasons that have played so far and then i guess what we've got one more semifinals and then another finals match in two weeks for that season mm -hmm. um it is a lot of running at the buzzers um i didn't feel like there's a lot of gunfighting going on in these first two seasons yes so, i agree that, 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 yeah that, and i think that's why there was a lot of like playing on towards the buzzers mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree uh, I will say that it it kind of it kind of looks different because of the fact that like you know that does happen or whatever. But you know they change the layouts, they're mixing it up, and it's all a test run because they're really just trying to do things to create right. more paintball. So it's like when people sit there and they criticize it or whatever, it's like okay, well they need a go play or b just don't say anything because they're trying to do something to still give people paintball, have some kind of interest where they're not losing interest in paintball. And right, it, it's hard, but it's like at the same time, it's like these guys are at least doing something to try to do that, you know. Yeah, and I think that's my only criticism was and, and I think it was just going back with the field size. I think it was just going back to the gaps were a lot smaller, obviously, because the field's mm -hmm. smaller. So I think that's why yeah, a lot yeah. more people were had the tendency to play on and jump towards a buzzer because correct, you're correct. running through these small gaps. But if maybe if you expand the field just a little bit, maybe those gaps open up a little bit bigger. And no, 100 percent. 100 percent. You're right. The uh, that was that was definitely something I noticed in the first season, even at least. And it's like these guys are moving to the buzzers real easily. And like you said, they're playing on, or if they were hit before, and it's like, as a ref, like, how do you tell um, on the situation? But no, I right. felt like the, um, the time I went down there and played, it was good. It was, uh, the refereeing was good. It was all clean. Like, uh, I mean, if you cheated or if you move forward like that, you got penalties and things like that. So yeah, yeah I talked to, uh, I talked to Maddie a little bit and he said, uh, he gave me the invite and I was like, oh man, come you back, do it. come back out of retirement and do a little ultimate uh, shootout. You should do it. It's, I mean, you're fast. It's not like you're going to lose your speed. And then it literally is just like, it's you and that, and the guns are faster too. It's 12, I think 12, yeah, 12 balls a second. Yeah. And then, uh, so it kind of reminds me of like the old days. I wish it was back at 15, but some right. people can't handle that. And then, uh, <laughs> I watched some old footage and I'm watching 15 balls a second. And that was after, uh, yeah. And that was after, uh, the, the NXL auto mode. Yeah. And then the full auto mode, which was ridiculous. I don't, I don't know the reason behind that, but <laughs> Sure, whatever. But yeah. uh, dude, fifteen, and on top of the fifteen, the fields that we were playing, so little bunkers, and yeah. and like physically and little X's and yeah, everything else, and just yeah. less bunkers on the field. And it's like, like, how oh, yeah. did anybody ever make it to a corner? Well, I have no idea. I, 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 I'm like, I'm watching people like play, and I was like, holy shit! Like, dudes, are, if they would have had stats on guys that were laning people, shit, it'd have been huge, right? Like, especially if people were getting paid on their stats, it'd have been sweet, but. Mm -hmm. Luckily, luckily that uh, that wasn't there at the time. But paintball was different at the time too. So I mean, you're talking about how much money, how much more money was involved then, then. And I'm not saying that like the leagues don't put money into it, but uh, it was just like sponsors were throwing shit left and right at you then, oh, yeah. you know. So it was crazy. Th that was uh, definitely the era of like walking into, if you were a known player, walking into a, a sponsor's tent and like grabbing pretty much and going, "Hey, I'm taking this, 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 and this," and like walking away 
Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I remember just like even I remember when when Tally would tell me he's like, if I needed this, he's like, boom, I had it, like boom. But I'll tell you this though, like with with uh, HK, it's like that with our team. And you know, if Dynasty needs anything or anything else, you walk in there and you guys and we want it. Like it's so yeah. it's they they don't hesitate. They just give us what we need to play. And and if we need shirts or whatever, like they're sending us packages all the time. It's super nice because like. I think I'm on the phone with them every single day, like literally every single day of like getting somebody something or doing a contest or literally just they're just sending me care packages so I can continue to advertise because that's why they sponsor teams so they can yeah. do that. So, so do you manage, uh, do you manage Houston heat? Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't, I won't say that I'm the only one now that manages it. You know, Randy is the coach, um, now as of right now and, uh, his son's back to playing. He was kind of helping with the management on it. And then, um, but usually there isn't too much that they make decisions on either that, like if I'm not setting up practices or with just dealing with sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Smith helps out a little bit here and there. Um, like he doesn't do everything full on board. Um, but we haven't changed our roster in four years, um, which is kind of crazy. So we haven't really had to go after any players really. Right. And then, uh, we only have two sponsors, which I absolutely love. Well, I guess in a sense we have three, um, cause we have a, we have official freak as well, but, uh, I mean, our guns have always had those on them, so we don't advertise them as much. Right. But uh, DLX and HK are only two sponsors, and it is awesome because anything we need or do, they just take care of us. And it's like, what do we need anybody else for? I guess we have Nike as well, actually, so for cleats. So. Yeah, and you have HK as paint? Yes, and uh, that's super nice because, you know, this was actually something that people don't realize is when we left GI um, to go – we made a deal with virtue and like they're supposed to come out their paint and everything else but they were just the third party of the paint right so then oh, i didn't know that they were coming out with paint so they came out with paint and so then all of a sudden it was like well they're not going to produce it at events and we're like okay we just left a, as a factory team because they couldn't get anybody to let them have their own box because it was a huge sponsor like you gotta pay big money as a paint sponsor right mm-hmm. and um it kind of sucked for us because I tell, I say this all the time to Randy, like that we got suckered into it. Um, and I was like, Hey, we should, cause they're like, yeah, we'll take care of all your paint. And they did, they took care of all the paint. So if we needed any kind of paint or whatever, they got it for us. But what people don't realize is if you, you know this, um, if you're not a factory team, you're not going to go on that truck and pick out the paint that you need. Right. And, and the best battle, paint that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And to have that, have that luxury with GI, cause GI took care of us very well with that. Um, you know, we go right on the truck, pick it up, boom. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we left them and against my wishes, Randy and I, and got many, many arguments about it, but, uh, we did that. And then, you know, he's like, you know, you got to give somebody else an opportunity here and they want to take care of us. And then they kind of backed off the sponsorship. They didn't have the paint and then they ended up, um, not being able to take care of that. And, um, we'd, we'd shoot HK paint. But then if it came on Sunday, um, how we won events is blown away to me because Dynasty was way priority over us for HK paint because we weren't even an HK team yet. Sure. And um, so, you know, that kind of sucked because we were literally at the bottom of the barrel. Like we didn't have any opportunity to go and get – like Randy would do what he could to get us good paint. But I knew in my own head that, hey, we're not walking on this truck right now and getting whatever paint we need. They're going to just tell us no. And we're going to have to take it because we're not anybody's factory team at this point. So Yeah, and to the people who, who were listening and don't know, uh, there, there are multiple kinds of paint. Le- there's yes. multiple levels of paint levels. That, yes, that, yes. that a company brings. And within those levels, there are different batches of paint. Mm-hmm. 
Like, uh, like for instance, um, somebody might recognize like a, a GI box with one, two, three, four, five stars yep. on. It. Yep. They would have those, I believe, in the truck. But within those, within the five star levels, there are different batches. Which and are more brittle and things like that. Exactly. So now, um, a lot of teams would have the gimmies of the more brittle paint. This and and they would have the say of who what teams would take that. And if you hear a lot in the commentary of maybe after a match or something, and, and this team is saying, Oh, we are bouncing them. We are bouncing them. And then the mm-hmm. other team actually shoots the same sponsored paint, but their paint was breaking. It's a good possibility. There were two batches uh, yes. in mind. And a lot of times it's, it doesn't even come down to just being like a GI team or an HK team. Um, like with us in dynasty, we always shoot different kinds of paint, which mm-hmm. is nice because we don't argue about the batches and things like that, but their guns require, um, a different ball than ours do for the Luxes. Um, and we, a lot of times, nine times out of 10, we can shoot more brittle paint than them. And I think it hurts them sometimes at the same time. But I mean, HK's paint has been phenomenal for us for two years now. And so I have no complaints on that mm-hmm. by any means. And it's so, it was just, it's just, I guess more of the stories, it's nice to become back as a factory team because you have that luxury of being able to go on the truck and pick out the paint that you need because of that reason. Right. Uh, with GI, we had that. Um, as just a virtue team that was we didn't have pants we didn't have it was just it was crazy it was crazy to me that we won events not being a factory team because i don't know very much i mean look at impact they've always been at the top there and they've always had great paint mm-hmm. and they just they, they had that luxury um so it kind of hurt us for a little bit but then uh, you know we got right back on track with hk and then they stepped right up and they take care of us so well it's unbelievable how good like they take care of us so yeah i don't think i've ever been so happy to be with a company that stands behind us and a lot of times like people like and i don't think people realize that like i don't even know if dynasty would still be around because sponsorships are hard to come by like that and i mean they're they ran off of just pure sponsorship so it's like shit like yeah. it's hard yeah it's crazy too because i've only heard really good things and really good stories uh from teams who are sponsored by hk it's dude i'll tell you what, it's another level and uh I can't say enough good things about them just because, I mean, they, t- they take care of me and t- if anybody needs anything on team, they'll get it to them straight right, right away. Um, even if things break or whatever, it's like, boom, like we got it back again. So, yeah. and then, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like right when we started, when we had GI, GI took care of us just the same way. Like if there's anything that we needed, we had it sent to us beforehand. Um, we had, we could even at practice, like Paulie would send me, uh, different batch numbers and give me what he had drop tested for us to have in Texas for the humidity at the time of the day. So we could have different types of batches of paint. So yeah, it, it was crazy. It's awesome. Um, it's crazy how luckily we've gotten, um, with having sponsors like that. But at the same time, when you have a lot of high profile players like Constantine Federoff or Chad George or Ryan Moorhead, um, you get those luxuries and it's nice. Yeah. So. Do you, it's, it's so crazy thinking about it. Cause you know, it never ran through my head as I'm drop testing paint or as I'm like, just dicking around the paint, figuring out what batch uh, we should go with. It never dawned on me that it, at one point you had the paint that you were shooting for the event and that was it. You didn't have a choice. It was, yeah. it was whatever it the team owner was like, here's your paint, do what you, it's like showing up to a paintball field and you get one star or you get field paint and it's like, well, do what you can, you know, yeah. this is what you're getting. A lot of times people don't realize it and see, and I, I like it because, so Randy has it where he wants the players to focus on what they have to focus on. Right. Um, I do have the luxury of seeing a lot of other different things. Sometimes it's not a luxury, sometimes it's a headache, but I, I don't mind it because I like knowing, um, 
like what we're doing. But Randy does a really good job. He's got his own guys now that he brings on. And um, a lot of it is just the, the dads from the team. And mm-hmm. they take great pride in making sure that we have the best paint. And they do a really good job with it. They go super early the day before, the day like that later in the day. Because if we got to play morning or afternoon matches, like there's all kinds of right. that, like stuff. And they take that. It's like they got their little dad club now. It's kind of cool because they're all about it. Like, And it's yeah. nice because to have that luxury and as a player, you just show up and you play. They put that right on us, and our only job is to win, and it's nice to have that. So when we don't win, it's a little disappointing because you feel like you're letting people down. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's paintball is a big game of variables, and paint's 50% of it, and then it's how well you prepare for the event and then what decisions are made at the right time, you know? Yeah, so. and it's crazy how much of, uh, y- you know, the behind-the-scenes is just as important as, as you know, in front of the curtain. Because yeah. j- just for the simple fact of, like, having somebody with a rag wiping people off when they come in or, or getting handed a fresh pod as you come in. Like just, yes. just having that luxury is, is so much more of having a, a distraction free zone is so much better for the players. I mean, I mean, look at any other uh, professional, you know, anything. And I guarantee you that those players are doing nothing besides about I mean, dude, there's people coming up and squirting water in your mouth i mean yep. that kind of a luxury is yeah, yeah you know it's i'll say this randy smith does a really good job with making sure that we are like 100 percent taken care of like he's like, okay all you need to do is show up and play the game and don't nobody bitches nobody says anything because he provides everything you need for your preparation all he can do is guide us in the right direction and he does it every single time we do not have to we're not worrying about flying in late we're not worried about not having enough space in a hotel room dudes are right. piling th- three four guys in a room which i mean i get it it's it's cost effective he out of his own kindness of his heart makes sure that everybody's got their own bed to sleep in uh-huh. you know um i mean mama d does a great job by making sure every single meal that we have from practice all the way to even at the event, like lot yeah. week, I bet we eat seventy five percent of the time at home. Yeah. Or she's or we have houses and she cooks every single time. That's and it's awesome. like, it's nice because you're not sitting at a restaurant waiting for thirty people to get their food and everything else. Well, we do go out to eat and it's nice too. But at the same time, like, just to have that luxury and just knowing the fact that we just got to show up and play is mm-hmm. unbelievable. I I can't I can't express enough people like how when you train to play paintball or to play professional paintball that's the kind of luxury you want and a lot of teams don't have that luxury and we do and it's super super nice right well and in in speaking and calling it a luxury that doesn't come without you know a a hefty price tag and that price tag being room for zero excuses and 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 i think exactly and i I think the the pressure uh obviously makes diamonds you know and and i think something like that it, it's not it's not just a free ride that you guys are going on there's there's you are you're paid to perform and it, you know it makes that room for that margin for error so much smaller so it's not just mm-hmm. you know you guys doing whatever you're on a, you know you're on this amazing team and everything's free and this and that it's like there there is a reason why the system that you guys have set up works so well and there's mm-hmm. a reason why the players are as shy, as sharp as they have ever been for every single event for every yep. single match, for every point. Yeah, I will say this. Um, yeah, you know, it's nice that we have Constantine Fedorov and Chad George, and they do a lot, but they are provided with every tool in the shed, and they take advantage of it, and they play so well because of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, we are given time to train. We are given time to practice. And, you know, that's what actually is nice because so instead of us worrying about and it, it does sacrifice a lot. So if you're not somebody who doesn't have a – 
like a super great career and you went to college and everything else. Um, that's why I tell a lot of people like, they're like, Oh, you know, I got this career. I'm like, as much as I'd love for you to be on Steam, it just wouldn't work for you. Like I promise you, like it's very, it's a lot of sacrifice Mm -hmm. and you miss a lot with the families. You miss a lot with your people's wives and kids and things like that. Like Mishka leaves for two weeks at a time from his kids every single event and he's got two kids and a wife that he's got to provide for. So yeah, that's what he does. And he's really good at what he does because he trains and he has those tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so when we don't win, um, and then, or even t- taking second, you know, nobody bitches about it, but it's obviously not exactly what we wanted to come up with. Right. So even for us to go win back to back world cups in the last two years it is, it's nice because when you look back, um, at Randy and Danette and, you look and see how much time and effort and things that the tools that they've given us to prepare. It's like, that's what you wanted to do was hand them that trophy. You always want, like, I feel like, um, and Tim actually taught me this is like, you want to have it, you want to be that teammate for the next guy. So you can hand him the trophy knowing the fact that you guys did this together. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's what I feel like when, when we hand Randy Smith the trophy and you know, he takes care of us so well, he doesn't bitch when we lose, he just helps us get prepared better. And, it's, I mean, the only thing is asked is to make sure we're training and play well. And if we can do that and win, then yeah. Yeah. That was one thing. That was one thing for me playing on Aftershock was I, I wanted to see Bruno's face holding up a trophy. That's a guy that I would like to hand a trophy to. That yeah. That is a guy I would I, like to hand a trophy to. And we've, we've uh, always, we always got so close and you know, it's, you know, I've, I've said this on the podcast, you know, plenty of times where people are probably sick and tired and hear of hearing it, but I, I truly believe that our team was not as bad as we were on paper. I I, no. I, I think there were plenty of times, dude. There were plenty of times we played you guys, and and, and this was almost every time. <laughs> this was recent. This was like yeah, recent, yeah. and you guys would beat us by one. You guys would beat us in yep. overtime. You guys yep. would. We would be up by three or or yep. something, and you guys would come back. Like we were in these matches, and and it was. You know, no matter if you lose by 15 or you lose by one in overtime, you lost and it chalks up as a loss. Yeah. And and then if you know, you're right there, though. Exactly. And then if you have a a bad third game or fourth game, you that could fuck you out of the out of the tournament. And so many times, dude, it was it was was so so fucking potential, man. See, and a lot of times it comes down to this. um, And this is why I I don't try to dog on Randy because I know what he's done for paintball. It's huge. And, you know, without him doing the the things he's done in the past, and I get it. It's a toll because you give so much to the sport. You can only give so much more. And it was like, you know, at one point it was just like, shit, like why do I keep giving to a team that guys are going to keep leaving? And I understood that. Uh, Bruno had had so much heart for the team that he wanted it to to do that. Um, But you can only do with what your cards are dealt. And if you think about it, what we had from 2008 to 2010, um, Psalm always told us, you have three years, if you all stick together, you guys will be in a finals match. And mm-hmm. then those three years, we are in the finals. 2008, we got fucking shit kicked. We went 0-15 the last um, three events, or yeah, the last three events or four events we played. And then the next season, we came back, we're making Sunday. Then all of a sudden, we're in Sunday, and then we're in the finals. And then it was like shit. And then... But if you think about it, look where Sloviak's at now. Look where Brad McCurley's at now. Cody Mikowski, um, myself, um, trying to think who else, Drew Templeton. Like all those players were all in that camp together. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, if we could have stuck it out for four or five more years, Chris Osteen, like that dude, I felt like was one of the smartest, talented players that could run down the field and just shoot three dudes and 
make it happen. And, like, it was like, <laughs> and you take, and you take Chris off the field, and he's so goofy and just like a tree. It's <laughs> and allergic to hops. Yeah, but still drink. Like, yeah, it was like, it was, it was that kid had it. Like that was one of the guys we went after right when we built the team, and it, I feel like that was one of the huge, like the biggest regrets that that Randall never like pushed him on yeah. because. Um, like Randy Smith loved Chris Osteen. He uh, like he helped him win that seven man event. He uh-huh. like truly believed, you know, we could we could build a team around Chris Osteen, and he didn't come. He went to uh, I think he went to Infamous with Damien, and uh, yeah, just that didn't pan out for him really. I well, think, I think, I think he, he was started there. a family at that time. I, no, I think... no, no, no. He was he was on Infamous for a year or two, and then uh, when he went back to Aftershock, he, that's when he uh, met his wife now and had a family. But oh, um, gotcha. when when we first started the team in 2012, that was one of the guys that we had on the list to be like because i mean he was on the team with us already so it was like mm-hmm. that's who we want he was our buddy and then uh i was mad at him for the longest time because like dude you could have had the same opportunity and randall would always be like what do you guys think about chris i'm like we gave him the opportunity <laughs> like we're not going to continue to chase him now yeah. and i was just like it was crazy now he doesn't even play anymore which even blows me away even more but he's got a family and i get it now dude, it's yeah. hard i know i went on, when i came back in the middle of 2013 and he was on the team on on shock. I was like, yes, because I played with him on Avalanche and everything. Mm-hmm. So yep. I was like, dude, and, and I just I love the kid. And yeah. I I think the biggest the the biggest mistake that I made uh, career wise, I think through paintball was going to uh, going to X Factor. Really? Because, you think so? I think so. Um, one, I think it. I wasn't. I wasn't a hundred percent on the decisions on why to leave aftershock. So I think okay, I think so you that felt was like your heart was still there. Exactly. And I think that was one big mistake was I made I made a decision not being 100% on my decision. You know what okay. I mean? And okay, and okay. I think that I had expectations that were very selfish at at the time and and I couldn't for some reason it was blinding me because I think okay. that would have been we played really good in 14 uh Aftershock did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think we would have we it's just like what you said man like i i came back in the middle of of 13 then played 14 i think 15 that third year i think would have been a really good year for us um but i made some selfish decisions and not saying that aftershock was a bad camp and that was a regret i don't regret it i just think it was a mistake but i i love how close i got to alex um on that team um, yeah, well, I think Martin Alex Martinez is one of, the, one of the best owners in paintball you could ever play for. Amazing, like, dude. Amazing. I never played for him, and I think of that. So I'm like, yes. And I made wow. and I made great, uh, you know, really good friends on the team as well. I just didn't fit in, and it wasn't. It just wasn't in the cards, uh, it, and it obviously it ended up not working out. But I, I think that year in '15 with AfterShock would have been. Uh, Bruno still gave me shit, dude. Even when I came back for the team, even in 2018. Um, the year I was retiring, he, he he would at least one time a year he would let me go. He goes, dude, you fucked us, you fucked us, <laughs> and in two thousand, and and you know what you did, and you fucked us. That's and, the thing is with Bruno, he's old school, so like he he, he was one of the guys it. that was so loyal to Ren, you know. Yeah. And uh, he never went anywhere. Uh, I mean, Billy didn't go anywhere for a long time until they went to the Ironman with Ryan. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I think I think this is one of the things you should think about as well. It's hard, and a lot of guys don't understand this. Everybody wants to run and play for a pro team and things like that, especially a, a team that's good, you know, or a team that has a lot of talent on it. Yeah. If you can't commit yourself to practicing outside of the team, it's hard to show up and perform. Yeah. And I think that hurts a lot of players because you can't build relationships with them. I feel that, you know, you don't get that every single day or every single weekend playing with them and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with 
between Impact and Heat, uh, they don't have to worry about us as much. But like with a team with X Factor, like Billy, he's got to fly down there. He, he, I mean, he plays during the week and things like that now. But like mm-hmm. you're talking about somebody, even like Zach Wake, he'd fly all over, and he wouldn't be with the team all the time. You know. So yeah. when, it, when you can't, put, if you're only coming down for mandatory practices, they expect you to show up and perform. It hinders your play because you're like shit. Like I'm trying to get back in the groove with everybody, and I'm resetting every single time. Yeah. And I think that's one of my biggest decisions why I went pro was because I was playing with Vicious in 2007, and uh, Psalm wouldn't let me practice at the field. I think you were on Avalanche at the time. Yeah. And uh, he wouldn't let me practice at the field because I didn't play for Aftershock that year, and he's like, "Yeah, you can't play here if you're gonna play on that team." And I felt like it hurt me because I, w- I couldn't drive eight hours to Omaha every single time. Did he own the field? Um, I mean, Psalm ran everything there with Abstract. Uh, and if you, I mean, if you're on Abstract, you were going to play with him. Like, he decided who played with him at the time. But could you play against him? No, that's he wouldn't let me. Like, what he's because his thing was, is why we're going to, like, help make you better if, if, uh, if you're not going to play in our program, which I, I mean, it, it sucked, but I mean, I just, I would go up to the field, I'd drive three hours, go up, just do, uh, drills, like drills or whatever, and then fucking, it sucked. And then after that, I was like, you know, I just got to commit to doing this because it's where I live at. And I'm glad I did because I get to go play, like, go play pro paintball. But at the same time, like, it's hard for guys that don't – like, aren't there every single weekend. Like, with X Factor, right. like, that's that's a core group of guys that well, if they're all going to go practice, they can all go do it together. Even if they're bullshitting around for the weekend. But it gives them that leeway of still playing together, you know? Yeah. And it's hard. Absolutely. And, you know, I definitely didn't make all of those, those uh, Texas practices. And, and I think there was something – there was something about my four-hour drive to Chicago for practices just for the weekend that yeah. were special. Like well, you it, got a chance to reset too. Like, yeah, and that was really nice. So yeah, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was definitely something special. But you know, I don't, you know, it, I can, I can sit here and just the what ifs and and the you know maybes and all this shit. But you know, it is what it is. And um, um, what, where did your nickname come from? Where did Yaya come have from? You, have you ever seen Sandlot? I have. So when I was a kid, people would walk up to my parents. And there's a guy named CJ Maui, actually. Um, he played paintball where I grew up at. And uh, he's like, you look like the guy from the Sandlot. And I didn't like, know what he was even talking about at first. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he kept saying it. And then people in my school started calling me yeah, yeah. And then uh, since I was like 12 years old. And then literally, like, I looked just like him from the movie. And then people come up to my parents and ask him, like, in stores. And be like, is it? Is, is he from the movie Sandlot? And then just kind of stuck. So, um, I actually just saw something the day they were on Facebook. Um, but now that guy's a huge monster. Like he's like all right. Oh out. yeah. 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 He's huge. So I, uh, didn't go the same path as him. I looked just like him when I was a kid. Um, so what is the, uh, I, I want to know the space between when you first discovered paintball up to aftershock. What, uh, how did you come across paintball and what was your journey like? Because we actually met, I think, before you were 2005, on. 2005, me and you met. It was 2005? Yep. Uh, yeah, I was just playing. I was just getting an expo. You played with Excessive. Yes. And I believe you won the event in Chicago. Um, yes. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. We won in 2006, Chicago 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's when I met you. Um, was 2006 and then because I played with Farkas and Corinne That's right. and then because um, Tim Schrofer at the time like he knew who I was from just playing like local events but I started when I was 12 for going to my own birthday party um, and then I just kind of was hooked ever since then and then when I was like 15 uh, me and Ian Martin um, 
had known each other for a little bit, and then uh, we went and played a World Cup 2002 together, mm-hmm. and then um, I just kept playing tournaments, and then just I wasn't always like the best guy that everybody wanted on their team or whatnot, but like people liked me, so it was okay. But then uh, like I was like we had all the guys on Voltage, and then yeah. they had like a like a younger team where I played with a team called Psycho Circus, um, but I didn't really have like an X-Ball team really. Um, coming through like 2005 2006 i just kind of like went and played the random teams um and then i just kind of got noticed like that i was gonna play with voltage at one time uh, but then they all went to avalanche mm-hmm. and then uh, when they all went to avalanche i went out and played division one with speed and then vicious found me in 2007 greg Pauly did uh played with them for a season and then i went then i went to abstract but when i was younger i played on psycho circus and i think in one year played 32 different tournaments and it was like i have so many medals from it still like <laughs> so um, crazy i don't you remember uh, marcus shepherd it sounds familiar he uh well he ended up being um one of the guys that worked for the psp for a while but i played with him a lot him and ian and then when ian made the jump over to avalanche um i kind of went my own way with vicious and then just kind of worked my way um with abstract and then just went from there but yeah, yeah. It's a long journey, a lot of paintball, and met a lot of great people on the way. But at the same time, like I couldn't regret any of it. It's just a different journey than a lot of other people would, like really realize. So. Yeah, I remember when you were playing on that team with uh, with Corinne, Tim, and, and Farkas, and them. We we hung out quite a few times and got to. Know I remember each other. in uh, World Cup, me and Farkas, we didn't have any money, but we were bouncing around from hotel to hotel. And uh, Tipman let us sleep in one of their hotels for a couple <laughs> nights. Yeah. And uh, then I met Steve Casella. Yep. And we, he played on Psycho Circus with us. And uh, it just meeting a lot of different people. I was supposed to play. I went up to Detroit once, played with um, Future Ball, and we were going to play a seven-man together, and then they ended up disbanding. Um, and then, yeah, just bouncing around, just doing different things. And then that's when I kind of had, like, a real talk with myself, like, okay, if I'm going to play pro, i got to be able to play pro where I can go there every single weekend or during the week and everything else. So I always wanted that in my head where I could do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously now with the last eight years, I've been able to do that on the same team, which is super nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and play during the week and train all together and everything else. So, like I said, we haven't changed our roster in four seasons, I think it is. Yeah. So um, I, fight all, I fight all the time about doing it. And Randy's like, hey, this is our family. This is our team. This is what we're doing. And it works out every year, I guess. <laughs> so I'm always trying to make changes, and he's he's not having it. So I just kind of let him. He, like he lets me have my things, and I let him have his things. So yeah, works out. Uh, speaking of Farkas, I feel like Farkas is the most low key dude. Where for some reason everybody knows. Yeah. Every I feel like so many people know of Farkas. I'm like, how do you know Farkas? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, and uh, everybody's got a little story. He's so funny, man. He, uh, I remember seeing him at Moorhead's wedding last year, and he's still just the same funny guy. Same so he's same hilarious. Dude. But he's doing a lot of different things. I'd never like uh, is he like a welder now? Or I think or, yeah. or he builds bikes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never saw him. Like I never even knew he was into that. Like when he was playing paintball with me, he just wanted to play paintball, and yeah. he was trying to always figure it out. So yeah, but he was he was a lot of fun to play with. Dude, he was he was such a good teammate, and he was he was one of those people where he's good to have around for morale. Mm-hmm. He's yep. keeps everything light. I mean, obviously he took it serious too when he played, but he he's keeps the atmosphere light and he's just he's he's a good he, dude. He man. was funny. He was mm-hmm. so funny. Like he was a guy you wanted to party with in the hotel room and win a tournament with, you know. So it was <laughs> like shit. So it was cool. He's a turd. Yeah, I love him. He's uh, a good dude. Uh, yeah. So, so you started playing two thousand. Um. Yeah. Ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I always make jokes about the ninety nine, like uh, in a little paintball field called Chillicothe Paintball. 
or chili paintball, and they just had barrel fields. They didn't have airball yet. And then um, there's a guy that I know actually. He still plays to this day. His name's Hep, and uh, he plays on played on a team called Backlash, and he still has a team called Backlash now. They just play like divisional tournaments, like Division mm-hmm. Five and stuff like that. But uh, I knew him when I was that small. Like I was only 12, 13 years old. And I knew him. Jeez. So and then Jake Whitaker. Um, yeah. I played on one of my first teams with him, um, and a few other guys um, from my high school at the time. It's crazy because uh, Jake comes down because he lives in Florida now, so mm-hmm. he comes to World Cup every once in a while. And I see him, and I'm like, dude, I've known you for so long. But he grew up in a town just like right next to mine, so it was like, like our high schools played each other in football. It's yeah. crazy. So you're from Chicago? So, uh, about three hours south of Chicago. So every weekend, like, so it was at first, it was like when you played there, like that's where the local scene was, like where mm-hmm. I grew up at. And then um, going to like um, Chicago was like the big thing. Like if you went to Chicago, like you were taking it more serious and things like that, because like not like everybody that I played with on my first team never wanted to go there and they didn't want to travel that much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just never even was like a second thought for me. I was just like, this is what I'm gonna do. This is like the second I turned 16 and had my license. I was driving everywhere I could. It didn't matter how far the tournament was or anything else. I'd drive two o'clock in the morning, all the way to practice and then make sure that I was there on time and play. So kept me out of a lot of trouble, to be honest. Like as much trouble as I been in a paintball, I've, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble doing stupid shit. So it worked out. Yeah, dude, same here. Back when I when I turned uh, sixteen, had my license, had a uh, had a car for the first time, and I started playing paintball right around the exact same time. Yeah. So it all fell in place, and and it was a really good scene in Michigan, Ohio. Um, yeah, Detroit. Detroit was like. Because you guys had, I mean, you had LB Fowl, you had, I mean, you had Cody Schmick, and then, I mean, even you going to, to excessive at such a young age, it was, like, huge. And it was, like, shit, like, the Midwest is really creating a lot of players right now. And it yeah. was, like, I think we all kind of fell in behind you because you played pro, what, four years before any of us even went? Well, because I played, so. I first started playing in 2002, like, yeah. early 2002. And okay. then, and then yeah, went pro two years later. Yeah. So, Which is insane. Yeah, they, I do. I fucking. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't understand. I still how think. It went. You, I still think you quit too early and you went pro that early. So, <laughs> I remember I did an interview with Nick. I think it was like a year ago or two years ago. And he's like, "Oh, we think about Carl Mikowski." I'm like, "Who cares? He's gonna come back." And he's like, "He's like, I don't think Carl's come back." I was like, "Yes, he will. I've seen him quit and come back before." And he's like, "I don't think he's come back." I was like, "Ask me the question on on the camera right now. I'll tell you." And uh, he's like, "What do you think about Carl quitting?" I was like, "Who cares? He's coming back." And I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> It's about the I'm getting about to the timeline when I when I took my hiatus, uh, you know, a few years back. Before, it was from yeah. end of let's see, it was end of '09 until middle of '13. So I was like, it's, it's coming up because I stopped in '18. What blows me away is uh, Jude Templeton retiring. That was crazy. Yeah, I don't uh, know if I, I mean it's, I think it's a, with a lot of guys when they start families, when, when they start yeah. families and and they're not wrapped in the industry itself. Yeah. I think it makes it really really tough. Yeah, I just never like uh, to me that guy Jude Templeton was always Mr. Paintball to me. Like yeah. he and I mean I get it. Like you said with the families and everything else, I introduced him to his wife. I went to high school with her. Really? Yeah, yeah. I and uh, I love fun oh, yeah. facts. Oh yeah, and uh, he ended up moving to Chicago and going to school there. And then I knew a girl that um, which is Amanda now, it's his wife, and uh, they hung out. And then bam, it was over from there. But. The uh, I get it. Like I mean, and there's a lot of things that people want to do outside of paintball, and that's something he wanted to do. Yeah. Um. I mean, he won a lot of pro tournaments and things like that. But uh, I think if Infamous was still winning tournaments, um, as much as they did when they when he got on the team, mm. I think he would have stayed. But I get it. There's other things in life that you want to see and you want to create a family. And I mean, I'm gonna do the same thing someday. So I'm getting married yeah. here in two months. I think. It nice, is, yeah. dude. Yeah. 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 Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Well, we'll see. 
We'll see if it actually happens <laughs> right. though, because with this, all this. Yeah, it's a variable. This sweet. Yeah, this time to be alive type of shit. So. I wouldn't even know what I would do if I were to like if I were in a position where I could come back and uh, and, and be able to, to put in the work like w- that would be necessary. I don't even um, know where I would go. Where do you live at, Columbus? No, I live in Toledo. I'm about like two and a half hours from Columbus. How far is uh, how far is that level up field that they get? They have that new pro team. Two and a half. Yeah, so I mean they're practicing. Um, I think Chad and Sam and Ryan have gone there a couple times. Um, I think it's just if you were to go back at it, I mean it's just literally just be able to just go back out and just keep practicing. Just I think that, that might be the yeah. that might be the way to go. Just if they even that. even if it came up, like the thing is, like would they even have a roster spot? That's another thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know who. Literally, I mean, even if I think if you even called Jeremy Salm and be like, "Hey, I want to play," <laughs> go out there and show up to practice. I, I don't see them not putting you on the team. Uh, it's weird. I, lo- I love talking about the possibility of me coming back. I love just talking about paintball in general because it. I feel like this is what keeps me the fire every lit, day. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. just dude, every day. Every day I'll come down here. Not to sound weird, but I'll come down here and I'll look at my gear just sitting in the corner and I'll just be like, motherfucker, dude. Like, I, I just get that itch and I'm like, you know, all these things start going through my head where I was like, dude, you can come back, man. You, it, It's not like I've got, I've, I haven't gained the quarantine 15. Yeah, yeah. If anything, I've maintained, but I could. I mean, are you, going, are you going to work out or anything else? Or are you just, I I'm mean. Just, I'm just staying active. Like, I build yeah. a deck in my backyard every day. I'm going for a walk for for an hour or two, walk with my kids yeah, uh, yeah. in the park. And I'm, I'm playing with my kids. I'm throwing them around. I'm just I'm just staying, being an active body, trying not to sit for too long. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if the playing started evolving, um, I would I would definitely put 100% more time into uh, working out and nutrition. Yeah. And I think uh, I think that's just a decision. Yeah, if you got to come down to it. if you miss it enough, and you feel like that's what's making you, um, like it will make you happier, even happier than what you are now. It's like why not? You know, like I've seen so many guys that maintain that with families and everything, and I love it because it's like they like with Mishka even like he's got two kids, and I've known both his kids since they were born, and it's like literally watching them grow up and then him still maintaining like his level of skills and he plays or whatever like this mm-hmm. is like what he does and it's hard if you're not getting paid because you're sacrificing your time where you could just be with your family and i think that's what takes yeah. a toll on a lot of people and i'm not saying it's for everybody and it's hard but if you can figure it out or maintain it or i mean it's a lot of i mean like every single day i'm hustling jerseys or paintball guns or trying to do something you know to like continue to like make sure like i don't because i don't I, my biggest thing is yeah i get taken care of from the team or whatever but if I continue to make more money than that, then it works out. And I set small goals for myself like that, and I do it, and it works out. Yeah, so. you're, you're creating sufficiency, you know, mm-hmm. for yourself. And, yeah. You know, I think that was a big thing for me uh, once I started having a family, too, is, um, you know, the necessity of Thursdays for events. And that means flying in on Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, you know, late Wednesday to be able to walk the field, play Thursday, all this, when mm-hmm. I didn't have the time off to be able to do that. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. what I had to do was, which was a, a very hard decision, um, was I had to either designate those time off days for paintball yeah, or, or your family. for family. Yeah. And it was just, it was a decision where being a new dad and all this shit coming up, I just couldn't choose against, you know, the latter. Yeah, and, and I mean, I respect that fully and it's like if i mean yeah and you gotta think about it like you're still at an age where you could come back and it's like you get like you sacrificed 
playing the sport of pro paintball. And then if you feel like now you can come back, then I think you should do it. I think you should literally like, go back out and see if you get the itch again, or if it's something you just like doing with your friends or just going to different scenario games. That's why I feel like uh, with the ICC, when Tim started that with the 10 man, mm-hmm. everybody just loved just being able to get out there, even if they haven't played in two, three years, because it was yeah. still something that they had done in their past and it brought up memories. I don't think I've ever seen so many happy people at an event other than the ICC. Right. It's crazy. So. Smiling faces and, uh, and limpy walks. Is yeah, that's a lot of what I see. Yeah, 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 a lot of soreness right there. It's crazy. <laughs> and that's uh, you know, and and speaking of you know, woods ball fields, dude, those are no joke. Like they will fuck you up if you're not oh, paying yeah. attention. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that was, and that's one of my biggest things about coming back is like my my knees. If my yeah. knees are would be able to hold up to it because I'm my mindset has always been, you know, it, it, it's not that I'm I'm like tunnel visioned into being a front player. But mm-hmm. it's just the way I move in general, like on yeah, the yeah, field, yeah. is like dependent Absolutely. on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's just something you guys got to think about before you go do it. Because, like, I mean, you got a lot of guys out there that still get out there and do it. I mean, look at Chris Sloy; he still goes out and plays these ten mans, and he's shooting the shit out of people. Yeah. So it's like, he's definitely not lighter than what he used to be. Yeah, um, <laughs> dudes. Yeah, he's lived a life. Let me tell oh, you. Yeah, dude. And then, uh, I mean, it's cool though because at the same time with all the ten mans, you don't. Know, like you get to see old faces that you haven't got to see. And then, you know, it's just a different game. There's so yeah. much more going on. It's 10 dudes. And it's like, just reminds me of like when Maddie did that uh, with push and even did it with Sunday drivers, like the speech that he gives when you're around 10 dudes in a, like in a huddle, you think about it all the time. And it's right. like, every time, every time I want to approach him, I've literally thought about that moment. I'm like, <laughs> that was that moment that I wanted and I still have it. So it worked out. Yeah. I like me personally, I don't think I played enough 10 man to love it as much as I love seven man. Yeah, I, seven man for me is the sweet spot. Like that's the that's the amount of guys. That's the play style. That's kind of just that hits a sweet spot for me where it's like it's not too crazy and and elongated. Um, you know, staying on the field for you know twenty absolutely. so minute whatever it is. Absolutely, but um, it's, it's such a good number. But you know, I'm, yeah, I enjoy seven man a lot. I played a lot of seven man before I even played X ball. And uh, like even when I play ten man now, it kind of reminds me because of communication. Like my mm-hmm. communication is one of my my biggest. Um, aspects of when I play paintball is like my communication I can tell people where everybody is my voice is loud and it's just like I know how to stay alive so it's like shit like I, I love seven man when I was around and uh, like if somebody was like hey let's go play seven man event I'd be like all right let's do it like yeah, dude, this is I fun would... to me <laughs> so it uh it's definitely fun and uh it's definitely a time because I remember when you, it was you Brandon and uh Danny and Brock Jolliffe on Avalanche, mm-hmm. and you guys had a real good seven-man team. And then, uh, yeah, literally, like, it's crazy. Like looking back at those times and watching all that, like unfold and everything, it was, it was nuts. It was so, insane. We had some, oh, yeah. some battles for sure back then. But what? Um, so you love to talk, <laughs> yeah, right? And you're you're love. very personable. Uh, why not have your own podcast? So Ronnie and I started. Um, pull the trigger podcast. We did one. I thought that was called Talk the Shit podcast. As pull, well, pull the chair. Yeah, it should have been talking shit, but uh, <laughs> we, well, we put a teaser out there, and it wasn't even talking shit, but it made it look like it. And then people, we got enough people to follow. We had a thousand people follow it nice. um, before we released the first one. Got a lot of hits, and the people have asked us to do more. But then um, the thing is, is like, so where we're at in the league, um, and Bruno kind of said this to me once, um, and. Randy kind of brought it to my attention. He's like, hey, these are paying customers that you're shitting on. 
you should not do that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't need to go and shit on people because they don't have the same luxuries as us. I'm like, I'm not. And he didn't even like listen to it. He just didn't oh, want me to do sure. it. And uh, I was like, that was just a teaser video. Cause it was like, like, I think the question that Ronnie like cut off was, uh, like, uh, Oh, on impact, like who was the worst player? And my answer, my answer like got cut off right there. Yeah. And everybody's like, what'd you say? But I'm like, none of them, because look what all of them have done on that team. Like right. you could literally put any single one of those guys on your team and they would either a start or they would help you win a pro tournament. And like, that's just the quality of team that they have. But we cut it off at that. And then everybody assumed that I was just like, I mean, I did talk a lot of shit with like, a lot of teams <laughs> or whatever, but, um, and I mean, I don't think there was any ill will though. No. Yeah. And, uh, a, some, a team that I took a lot of stabs at was aftershock because I was so mad at Ren for like, he had so much talent so many different times that, he could have kept and he didn't. Mm. And I was like, dude, like you had like, and Bruno was so in and he just literally, it was so hard to maintain. Like with that's, that's why I love Bruno so much because he had the heart and desire to do it. And I get it. It's hard to do it for X amount of years. Like, I don't even know how the Ironmen are still even like kicking and they just want an right. event. So it was just like, it's, it's hard and it takes a toll on you. Like I'm waiting for that day to come around and be like, Hey, I think that's it for us. Cause then I'll be like, I think it's it for me too then because <laughs> yeah, when you shut it off, it's, I don't think it gets any better than this. So, and I get it. It's hard. It's a lot of money and it's yeah. a lot you go through. And it's like, I mean, Ren sacrificed a lot and gave a lot to a lot of players and then he, then he got burned on it and it was like, fuck, like mm -hmm. how do we make it work now? But yeah, it's tough because I feel like with Bruno, I feel like is very, um, understated. Uh, and I feel like he is very, uh, that dude was paintball hundred percent, hundred percent dude. And, and, yeah. and I think he comes off as somebody he puts people off in a way where I think that they think he's just this one-sided dude. Like, dude, he has a huge heart. He's a, he's, he's stand up with you. Like, he'll tell you like, yeah, he's a straight up tell guy. You his a lot mind. of people can't handle that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love Bruno. I think, uh, like I said, that's one of the dudes I wish I could hand a pro tournament to and, or a trophy during a pro tournament. Like, here, you deserve this just as much as anybody else. And, uh, I love what he's done in his paintball career. He was a badass player, you know? Yeah. And then he's got great stories. Uh, he's got a lot of heart for the game. He sacrificed a lot of time for it. So it's like, that's a guy you want to hand trophies to. It's like, shit, it kind of sucks that he's not even around. Yeah, and, it, you know, I think I think one of the biggest problems that Bruno had was that because he was brash and he was the character that he was and he had a coaching style that – and and I've said this before too. It's like you, you'll hear Bruno's rambling and his gibberish that he talks, but there's – there is truth behind it and you, yeah, know, and, yeah. and you have to interpret it in a certain way. You have to be around him a certain amount. You have to know who he is to mm -hmm. be able to interpret what he's saying Correct. and to be able to get along with him. Um, but I don't think, I, I think his biggest issue was that he had players on the team throughout the years who didn't respect him uh, because of that. And I don't think it was mutual. So I think there were, there was always some kind of cog in the gears that was just, that wasn't able to make that you know complete team that's exactly you know that's what i think so many pro teams run into and that's exactly what you're right um they don't respect the coach or they don't think they're wrong or i mean i had that problem with trozen in 2013 or 14 i was gonna just quit mayball and then i was like you know what i'm not working hard enough i gotta just go out there and sacrifice mm -hmm. more or do whatever i can more if i'm not like and he saw a lot in me but he a lot of times like he started like when we started the team i was playing a lot and then all of a sudden i wasn't playing but I wasn't working hard enough to maintain that. I wasn't working hard enough to give everything to it, but I had to be honest with myself. So it literally right. took a little time off from it. And that's something that a lot of players, um, 
I don't think understand. They don't know how to take criticism because they think they're so good. Um, Their ego is so overshadowed. Yes, yes. And uh, if you're not willing to take it, and I mean, it's it's. I'm not saying it's easy to coach a lot of pro players, but like if you can get everybody on the team to believe in the same thing that the coach believes in, you see success. And it's like if you don't, then I think that's why X Factor has come around um, in one. Um, a lot lately is mm-hmm. because they believe in everything that Ryan Brand has. Um, I think Ryan Brand does a great job with them as far as he knows the strength of his players, and I think that they all respect him more than when he started. Um, a coach that I think that had a lot of success with that um, of understanding his players and they respected him was uh, Paul Richards. Yeah. Um, with Tampa Damage, he did a. I mean, even when he had docs, like that, they respected that guy. They didn't talk back to him. He mm-hmm. gave him a simple plan. He was respectful to them and. Any player that was in that camp, um, they performed for him. They wanted to perform yeah. and they wanted to do that, you know. And uh, I think he did a great job with that. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's real hard to find a lot of coaches that you're going to respect and you know that either doesn't, A, know more about you or see the game. And if a lot of guys came into that, like, thinking that they were hot shit or they're playing pro, that's not the case. If the coach sees something, you got to be willing to do it. That's why I like that a lot of teams are willing to, like, video their practices because then they the coach can go right back and be like look this is what you're doing this is what you think you're not doing but this is what you're doing every time yeah and i get it, it's hard it's, it's a it's a hard uh little thing to do in the game but if you can have something where your players take accountability and are in the same belief as the coach you're mm-hmm. going to be successful eventually you know mm-hmm. yeah so. I, I think i think that there's more of an ego problem on the divisional side of it than the professional side of it i mean obviously you i, I don't oh, think absolutely. i don't think you can go pro without having an ego but oh, uh, yeah, hundred percent. You're right. But I, 100%. I think the problem. I, I think there's a giant ego problem on the on the divisional side, and I think that that just man, it holds people back so 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 much by by putting that ego forward and not being able to set their mistakes aside and assess mm-hmm. them. They are they're so quick to to point the finger, and I'm I'm, I'm talking about like because I was a kid once. Like and and this is yeah, yeah. you know and there's a, there's a lot of kids in the divisions. I'm, obviously, there's some older people there who who play there, but that that divisional side is a lot of kids and teenagers who are growing up and learning how to become. I mean, we grew up in the sport, are learning how to become a person, a man, a player, yeah. a teammate, and 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 develop and grow. And if you if you just if you go through this thing thinking that you're way better, thinking that you're the best player on the team, yeah is going to be your biggest downfall and, and if you think you can be you if you think you can do better and you can do this you can you can think all that but then the actions i don't think the universe comes down comes around for people like that i think the, the universe comes around for people who work really hard and who are humble and who put in the time put in the work because i mean something as simple as playing for the team that you play for playing your ass mm-hmm. off um and and not necessarily looking for the next stepping stone along the way, but maybe to further your paintball career, you might set your up, you set yourself up for an opportunity to play for another team or to be seen by another team. Because I think if if your head's in the right spot, you're you're a decent player who puts in the time and the work. I think eventually windows open to where Correct. you know a coach sees somebody play, um, you know something happens to this or that or whatever it is. And, you know, I don't think it's forced. I don't think it can be forced in a, a sense. I mean, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, 100%. I think you're exactly right. It's okay. So a lot of players have it like this, like, and this is what I say, like, so heat and impact are very hard examples um, for a lot of kids. A lot of kids want to see it as, okay, I want to go get paid to play paintball, or I can do this or that. They want me. I'm great. But that's not the case. And you see a lot of guys go to teams like Heat and Impact and they don't make it and they don't play a lot and it hurts them and then they're not performing because when they're on these divisional teams or when they're on these younger pro teams that let them play every single point, yeah, they're going to eventually start to shine and things like that. And then they're going to get noticed by um, top tier teams. But the thing that a lot of people don't like, uh, Impact did this last year with um, Brusselback and Alex Rosati. Rosati was playing great on New York Extreme. Dave cherry picked him. You know, he did his job. You talk about a guy that's going to, he's a young kid, sees a lot of potential, doesn't probably have to pay him like he has to pay like a high end player, but mm-hmm. he saw a lot of potential. But he didn't see a lot of playing time, so he didn't perform ever. You never saw him perform. You never saw him have a big move or anything like that. Yeah. And it's hard because the fact that they think that they're great, they're going to go get paid and everything else, but they don't understand the sacrifice or they don't understand what they have to do to become better. Right. And it, and it hurts a lot of players. But like you said, with the egos and things like that, you got to leave it at the door and you got to be willing to. And I mean, I've got some guys like that I've played with in the past or even like that on my team that have been like, hey, we got this. But this is my biggest thing about like with Fedorov or Chad George. They've been through the grinder. So when mm-hmm. they say things or when they see things, if you're not willing to listen to it or even Ryan, Ryan Moorhead is a great teammate because he will give you he's I feel like he has some of the best delivery to any teammate because he literally if he sees something, he's like, hey, babe. Check us out. Uh, what do you think you did wrong there? What do you could have done better? Hey, that dude, that's okay. Oh, he calls, so right. he calls babe all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's just trying to get you to understand what he saw because he knows the game. He's been there for so long. Yeah. But when guys don't like check that shit at the door or they just aren't willing to listen or they're getting yelled at all day and they're sick of getting yelled at, then, yeah, it's really difficult to understand that. And I'll say this. Um, I love playing with Fedorov. He is a very talented player. He sees things really differently. But he has shown me a limelight of things I can do to help the team. And he's talked to me many times. Um, his delivery with some guys, he doesn't talk to me like that, thank God. But his <laughs> delivery is very hard on guys sometimes. Right. Especially if he doesn't think that you're doing things to make yourself a better paintball player, then he doesn't, like his delivery is way worse. Mm-hmm. But when he explains things to you and you see that, and then when you start to see the same things he does, it works out. And it's really nice. So, yeah, between Ryan Moorhead always um, having good input, um, seeing things that Fedorov sees, it makes you a better player. And I do have that luxury now. But, I mean, with the other kids who don't have that or don't – like I see New York Extreme has a lot of potential as a pro team. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have Pat Craft. Um, they have uh, Will Hennessy out of Chicago who have a lot of potential in these. And But there's nobody like – they're always digging at each other and shitting on each other. But if they would just – literally drop all the bullshit and stop shit talking on the field or making it a show and just grinded it out and built each other up they would be a better team they would yeah. be more of a two and two we're gonna hope we make it into sunday team mm-hmm. you know and uh i think that a lot of teams don't understand that shit yet i think that they don't understand like you have to build the guys up next to you and you got to do things you got to check your ego at the door and a lot of people don't understand that shit so yeah. you can't win a tournament by yourself it takes five guys yeah, Every single time on the field. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think I think a great example and a great story of a guy who has little to no ego, I mean, hardly any ego, who I've heard nothing but great things about being a teammate, came from a team who was 100% pushing and positive on him going to this other team and, and talking with a guy is Nick Laval. 
I think I think Nick, Nick Laval is a great story of coming from a team where it was a decent it was a decent team already, up and coming, starting to starting to perform, but he unselfishly um, one it shows you how good of a teammate he was uh, by the reaction of his team, you know, of of him leaving, and uh, just the kind of the quality of player he was or he is. Um, I think I think he's I call him the perfect human. Like I call LB Fowl a perfect human, and I call Nick Aval a perfect human. Um, they're tall, good-looking, smart people who <laughs> they don't need paintball, but they're very good at paintball. But they yeah. can succeed and be successful in other things in life. And I think Nick Aval is one of those people. He is, like you said, he's. I play video games with him all the time. Bro, that dude is so nice, and he sees things, but he'll help build you right up next to him. Yeah. That's a dude I would like to play a pro, t- like on a pro team with, because he mm-hmm. is like he's good like that and yeah uh, you hit it right on the head he is a great um he's a great thing for paintball like people don't even realize it and like there's a lot of events with like once a w stopped that he didn't get to play or uh, things like that but he was still a great teammate you yeah. know and he did and he's smart and he knows things so yeah i'll definitely agree with that 100 percent um yeah i think that w just needed the w needed a spot that was a spot to be filled at, up at the front and mm-hmm. I think I think Nick Laval was like, I'll do it, and and was like, and just yeah, jumped he into saw, it head first, and was yeah, like, he saw something that like a lot of guys, and he was tall, so he could see over it, yeah, so he could see like different like dimensions, but uh, he was just so smart with this timing that yes. like, and he helped his team. If you think about it, they have guys that go down the tapes, but when you apply the pressure in the center, he can like lock dudes off, or he can go through and create madness which helps and it's like he was he was really really good he was one of the first guys to be really good at it yeah and yeah so when they took it away it was different because it was like oh you just go through but you're doing more than that if you're the guy going through you're causing havoc where people's guns turn on you and it allows your other players to do other things and his team was good at reading that and his team understood and he respected the position and it worked mm-hmm. out for him yeah so yeah i think that i think that w put him on the map as far as the a professional, a legitimate professional player that they all get my, yeah, they all get my respect, but yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, so what now? I mean, with the NXL, uh, I believe they canceled everything. Um, as of right now they have, um, I don't know as far as uh world cup goes. I know that I just saw there was like a 10 man announcement for, like early October, late September. And then um, I believe that's what I saw. And then I don't know about World Cup. Um, do I think that they should have it? Um, I don't because I get it that um, everybody wants it to be paintball and everything else. But we as a community are not in a position to go to events knowing our safety knowing how people are going to be at the field if anybody is sick from like what's going on in the world and then something happening and then being like, Oh, because I went to the NXL event and then it scares everyone from there on out, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, yeah, selfishly I want to play paintball and I want to do that, but to go to these events and have thousands of people around you, is it really smart? Look what's going on with baseball. It's like, we're not going to be in a bubble. We're going to travel. Who's going to say that one person doesn't get it. And then all of a sudden, boom, yeah, I mean, we saw how fast it spread now, and it's like it's. I think uh, economically, uh, society itself and everything else that comes along with it. I think we did a very big one step forward and fucking three steps back. Hundred um, percent. And and I think that would be 
exactly if the NXL comes out and, and holds an event, I think that's going to be a, a step forward because, okay, we're trying to make progress. We're trying to, I understand you got to get it going, but it's going to be a three step, a three step back thing. And it could hurt. And it's like, is it worth that sacrifice? I don't know. Um, I personally don't think it is. I personally, like, I mean, I, I want to get back with my team and practice. I want to go back to an events and go back to like what was normal to us. Um, just for the mere fact of like that's just who we are as competitors nobody's getting any younger so it's like you're almost missing out on time right but at the same time like is playing this game worth sacrificing somebody's life or their safety and health you know it's like it's not even about me i'm not worried about getting it i'm worried about giving to somebody who can't handle it Mm -hmm. you know and that's my biggest thing yeah and you know the paintball fields are open though i mean they're they're paintball is booming right now it's incredible to me how many people are out and i love it that they're playing a paintball or whatever but at the same time I would hate for somebody to go to an event and people are like, oh, what's the NXL doing? They're, and they're trying to talk and shit on the internet. But I'm like, do you realize like how much responsibility it is and how much time and effort it takes to fire that engine back up? And then if one bad thing happens, then it's the NXL's fault. And then all the right. things are getting pointed at the NXL. Is that worth it? I don't think so. I don't think it's worth it for the NXL to put on an event to be spectacular and to have everybody hair happy wearing mask or whatnot or being safe. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can keep it to a minimum, then yeah. But why would the NXL keep anything to a minimum? It's the NXL. It's, it's an elite league that everybody wants to be a part of, you know? Right. And you know, that's the biggest thing right now, you know, and what's scary about, cause I've been asked to play, I, I'm going to be playing for brimstone smoke. Um, in the oh, 10 minutes. Yeah. Nice, nice. And, um, I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited to get back. I want to get back and play, mm-hmm. but, I just something is still telling me to just kind of keep my distance and and because I, I haven't I haven't done jujitsu and the gym has been open for like four months I haven't yeah, done I, that I haven't I haven't, I haven't played paintball yeah, yeah and it's 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 just kind of it's just scaring the shit out of me because I don't know I can't I don't want to give any any details from uh, about Tim or anything like that but I also don't know enough about it mm-hmm. but that I mean there was a whole thing where it's like I was uh, I was invited to go to a practice out out there and mm-hmm. um with brimstone. It was early, early june right yeah yeah with yeah, with yeah, brimstone uh, yeah. and um i wasn't able to i told them I, I wasn't able to make it and also i wasn't really that comfortable doing it yeah, uh, yeah. yet and fucking the guys get back everything and then everything happens with tim mm-hmm. and i'm like trying to get all this information i'm like okay well well you know what's this what's this what's this what's this trying to get you know info from people and then i got i'm going through the team chat on brimstone and guys are starting to get checked you know getting checked and getting checked and then i'm hearing this rumor and i'm hearing this rumor i'm like dude like if and, and I, I have a family too which is the biggest thing and i don't want to that's, that's I, the thing yeah and then yeah i just dude i don't know man and it's killing me too because i do want to i do want to fucking play dude i have yeah dude this emac is so fun to shoot dude and it's just <laughs> fun to play paintball in general which is yeah, why yeah, yeah. i i love it but um uh, and I also love jujitsu. I, I want to be physical. I want to be out there. But that's who you are as a human. It, yeah, I'm just com- I'm competitive, yeah. and I'm just I'm physical. And um, but there's a point where you have to, for me at least, I have to kind of really sit down and go, for my fun and entertainment, do I risk that's, bringing that's shit exactly back to saying. my family? Yeah, and that's my biggest thing. Is like, uh, I mean, that's the I fight that every day with uh, trying to figure out if our wedding's going to happen. And it's like, yeah, do I want there to be 150 people there and everybody be happy? Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm putting somebody at risk just for them to see me. It's, it's it's literally selfish on my part to ask them to come and show up and then hopefully nothing happens to them. That's like shit. But yeah, and I, I understand. Get, dude, yeah, I get it. Feels you, need to be open. 
Yeah, and I get it. It's very economically, it's hard. It's hard as a business. It's hard as a company to be like, okay, we got to shut this down. And I understand it's a lot of sacrifice. And I'm not saying that you can't do it or you shouldn't do it, but it's like, it's a lot that you're taking on if something happens. Mm -hmm. And like you said, with Tim, um, it's just like you look at that situation and it's like, man, like that dude was an ambassador to paintball. He was paintball and he did so much. And it's like, and great health. yeah, and it's something that we that he didn't even realize um, was going on. And I remember at one day he asked me on the phone. He's like, "Well, who do you know with it?" And I knew that um, another paintball player's mom had passed away from it. Really? And she, yeah, she was not in a great um, condition for it. Right. And so that's a thing. Also, and people are like, "Oh, we'll just weed out the weekend." I'm like, "But, but is it worth that? Like, what, are, like, what are we talking about to play a game? Is it worth somebody's life?" And it's right. like, "Shit, like, what do we do?" And uh, like I don't mind sitting home because I, I stream and play video games, so I love it. But at the same time, like, yeah, I, I'm scared to go to the gym because I don't know. Like, I know once you walk in the door, you have a mask on, but then people are touching equipment left and right and everything else. And it's like, yeah, shit, like, what's next? So, well, because now think, you're taking on the response. You're, you're assuming that the workers at that gym are cleaning everything properly. That, uh, and I think that's why we're running into so many, like, the numbers are growing so much because everybody's just assuming that it's going to be safe or it's going to be okay. And it's like, is it? But I don't think that anybody takes that precaution unless something happens to somebody in their family or somebody that they know. It's mm-hmm. like, how do you know it's real? How do you know it's this or that? And we don't. We don't know. And it can be conspiracies and everything else. But once that happened with Tim, that's when I was like, oh shit! Like, I don't want to go anywhere or do anything until we can have a, like a solution or a vaccine or something to fix this. Yeah. And then it's like, shit! Like, what's it worth? I mean, do I want to tell people not to go play paintball? Absolutely not. But right. I also want people to be safe at the same time. And it's is it is it worth that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, to me personally. I would hate for that. I would hate for even my dog to get it and something to happen. You know, it's just like shit. Yeah. So I think I, I think there's a there's a big thing of people don't know how to be bored anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's plenty of shit to do at home. There, there's yeah. plenty of stuff to do at home, but I feel like everybody has been so ingrained in life in general to watch football, to do this, do that. Oh, you're gonna mm-hmm. take away football and you're gonna do this, like, like dude. Like there, there's yeah. there's a reason why we're doing this is to to be to be safe. And, um, but what, there's so many believe it's all in what you believe in. It, it's all in, you know, who said this and they said this and it's political and this and that. I was like, what, 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 what if it's just fucking looking out for everybody and, mm-hmm. and on p- who people you have no fucking idea who they are. You go to the grocery store, just where I'm at, like, like you're doing it for everybody else. But there's so mm-hmm. many people who are pushing it back against the system and making, making it something else and who are risking their their families' lives over it, and and like for, for what for great for, for pride, what? yeah, for yeah, what? exactly, yeah. And it's so it's so tough because you know I, I think people have just like I said I, I think it's people they don't want to be bored they want their entertainment they want this and they want that and I'm paying for this and but yeah. I, I think it's a great time of reflection um, for a lot of people and oh, 100%. Yeah, at least 100%. that's what it, maybe maybe I should say it like this maybe I'm hoping that this is time that people get to reflect. Yeah, and I think that uh, if and if you don't, I don't think I don't know. Maybe you just weren't doing enough um, before this that you were like can look back and make man that was this was awesome. This like even us being able to sit here and be like, hey man, remember going to this event, this event, and then playing mm-hmm. this or winning this. And it's like it's crazy because it's like to sit back and think about it and then be like, okay, how can we make this happen again? Do we go back at it this soon? How many countries went on lockdown? I remember when the Russians got back from Las Vegas after the situation happened. And they got put on quarantine instantly um, in their country. 
And the police showed up two or three times to their door just to make sure that they were staying in quarantine because they wanted them to be safe. Right. And if you weren't, then you were in deep shit. But look how many cases less that they have. Um, and I guess I don't know their numbers, but at the same time, right. they were they did it. And then because the police showed up to their door to make sure that these people were staying inside. And it's like, do we have to go to that? I don't think so. But I would hope we wouldn't have to because the same time as let's have some common sense and stay in, you know? Yeah. I, it, as a country, I think we should value life like a lot more than uh, some other countries do and it's, it's hard to say so but yeah i want there to be a world cup but at the same time i also want there to be safety so if it mm-hmm. didn't happen it's not going to break my heart um because then a houston needs still the last team to win the world cup so i'm okay with that <laughs> and uh then which was controversial yeah. though wasn't it not yeah um i've been in a couple controversial situations the only time i ever got my ass truly kicked was by the russian 7-0 in 2010 Ooh, I had aftershock shoots. right yeah yeah that yeah. one hurt um I didn't even know it was possible to have nightmares like that, but it did. And then uh, <laughs> got back there in 2012. We won that. And then 2015, we got beat by Dynasty. And that was controversial um, on like a literally a one second buzzer beater. And yeah. then, um, yeah, we. Is uh, that the one where Greg gets yeah, shot Greg, in the leg? Yep. Yep. Get shot in the leg. And I mean, the camera view had it. I mean, I'm not saying the wrong call was made. I don't think that call was uh, wrong. I think that what happened before that was wrong. Um, and then. Which led up to that point, which is it is what it is. We it was lost. a penalty, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't. That wasn't just a penalty. It was just the fact that like how he got shot and then hitting the buzzer with the timing on it. Uh, the ref made the right call. He was shot before he hit the buzzer, which is fine. Um, it was, and that was. It was just a controversy before that with like uh, guys still being on the field shooting people while they were hit, which stopped us from hitting the buzzer. Which was I would have done the same thing if mm-hmm. that if I was in their position, then I would have done the same thing. Uh, last year's call was. Um, we had like 30 seconds left. They were coming back on us. They'd already come back on impact earlier in the year. So we knew like what they're capable of doing, you know, mm-hmm. to come back and have a nine second point or whatever. And, um, they rushed on the field and Kirill and he admitted that he made the mistake or he made that decision in his head. Yeah. He was shot or not, but he came down. Chad George shot him. The second he left the center 50, he shot him and he kept coming and kept coming and kept coming shoots a dude or two. And then the ref, the ref made the right call at the right angle and he had it. And, uh, it was an under under a minute, and with the rule, it's under a minute. It's a major penalty if you continue to play on, which it's what it was. The right call was made, and obviously it worked out in our favor, but I've been on both sides of the coin. The ref just made the right call, and uh, Carell admitted after that he you know, he made that decision as soon as he left there to try to go win it, and he, he would have won it right then and there for his team. Mm-hmm. Going through and then um, having that happen, and then they were cheering like they won, and then once they got the replay, um, they saw exactly what the ref had called and why he called it, and it was the right call, and it worked out. So it's so yeah. tough because I can I can completely understand Kirill's side. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, yeah, the same exact thing to yeah. make that move and to go through. You have no and other. You, I mean, you have no other choice. Correct. If you, I mean, if and, you want to win. Yeah. And they play, he put his team in the position to win. So it was like shit. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I don't think that anybody should ever be mad at him or he should be down on himself. He made a decision to try to win. It just didn't go in his favor. Um, if it would have, that would have sucked for us. We probably would have had nightmares for weeks on end because. Yeah would have felt cheated but uh no i felt that the right decision was made they went back and looked at it they went back and made sure the like how it was and like why he called it and mm-hmm. they made the right decision so and it worked out in our favor i've got a question for you let's hear it. if you're still up and down to keep chatting oh i'm good, good yeah so what's the what's the biggest thing you've gotten away with on the paintball field um when i was a kid man i'd be i would wipe hits i played local i'd wipe a head didn't matter <laughs> Um, on the professional field, 
Oh, man. I don't know. They're pretty good about catching shit. Um, I guess just running through, like, you have to make that decision. I ran through, shot five dudes, and then got a major. Because the ref's like, oh, you got hit in, the, hit in the pack on the way there. And I'm like, okay. Like, I guess you got – the biggest thing is you can't argue with the ref. That's people do not understand. Like, no matter what the decision they make is, yeah. you got to go with it. But uh, I don't know. Like, thinking back at it, getting away with anything, I don't I don't know if I've really gotten away with a lot. Like, I know, like, in a 10-man situation I have. Like, oh, dude, I remember, uh, that's the – Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 10-man ten, ten is, like, that's – you oh. – yeah, but I don't really think – because I think that like just the way we were trained, Trozen would have us – if he caught us cheating in practice, he would make the team run and not the guy who was cheating. So you always kind of put it in your head to like you didn't want to do that to your guys. That's a good strategy. Especially because they'll be pissed at you. And at my clinics, a lot of times I do that. I'm like, if I catch you cheating, everybody runs, and you're not going to be the most liked guy at the clinic. So let's figure this out. <laughs> um, I had it where one kid um, in Chicago was – he ran – like everybody ran three different times because he wouldn't stop cheating. I'm like, what? well, I guess I guess you're learning something right now, right? And yeah. Did and you then, say that uh, after the uh, the second time or the third time? Oh, man, they were pissed at him. <laughs> one guy was throwing up because he had to run so much. Oh and I'm God. like, I'm like, well, thank him. He's the one that – that's what's going to happen to your team. You're going to hurt your team if you cheat. And uh, so we don't really – like we don't really try to press the envelope because the thing is, is if you got faith in the rest of the guys on your team, then it is what it is. But I'd say the like just going through like on a run through or something like that. Like I've had it where you get shot a step or two before and you still make sure you take it on the guy, then it is what it is. But yeah, I said this to Yosh Rao once because he's like, "What do you think you got that guy clean?" I'm like, "If you make that decision to go through, and then you don't pull take him with you, then you're gonna regret that." So a lot of times, mm-hmm. if if you get shot a step before, then yeah, and you still make that decision. I've had it where. Like in Europe, they've caught me. I I literally ran from the back center through the center, took the pressure off the guys on the tapes. They went down the tapes. I went through the center. I got the penalty because I went through and mm-hmm. I got shot like probably like three or four steps before. And then so yeah, but those run throughs are so man, it, it they're so key because it's it's always one of those things where it's like, well, what what if it would worked? You know, it's like you take that risk and there's a giant reward. So, you know, it's the whole risk reward thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, because the thing is, is you're drawing so much attention. That's why I didn't mind playing the center uh, with the wall because you're drawing the attention. If you're the one attacking, then you, somebody else has to shoot you and somebody else's gun's coming off somebody that you was going to go down the field. Yeah. Um, and it was nice. So it worked out. Um, but yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing. Like a lot of guys don't understand that. Like when they are making that a tribute to go through, like why they're doing it so much or anything else. But yeah, I enjoyed running through. It was that that, oh, was, I love that was fun for me. I love it. I got a lot of barrel cam footage of when we're playing in Europe, just running through on teams, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. And they're just looking at you like, where the hell did he come from? And I'm like, this is sweet. So, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a rush. It's a cool it's, internal conversation because because as a front player, you're always you're constantly talking to yourself. Not only are mm-hmm. you hearing the chatter around you and you're taking it in, you're dishing it out, obviously. But there's always, you are and I'm talking sure, yourself. You exactly. Are talking yourself. I'm sure there's a lot of players, who, wherever they are on the field, they're chit chatting with themselves. But I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of front players are talking to themselves a lot because you're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of windows open and close, mm-hmm. and and you're you're trying to like you're waiting for that kind of guttural like giddy up. It's like oh, a yeah. guttural giddy up, and you're like, okay, yeah. And then and you slowly kind of mold that timing into place. It's yep. so fun, dude. It's so and fun. it comes a lot, a lot with experience. I thought that uh, you know one of the guys that ever do it was Oliver Lang <clears throat> just on his run throughs and alone, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Greenspan, his timing on things and how he reads things is really good. Angel was, uh, Angel was Angel. Really good at it. Angel to me was a snake God. Like that oh, guy. Dude, absolutely. That guy is incredible. And a lot of people don't realize like how good he was 
unless you played with him or against him at that time period. So, like, there's probably a lot of guys that don't even know who he is. I think, like, I think talking mm-hmm. about him – sorry to cut you off. Um, oh, I, I think Angel was the most – like, when you watched him play, I feel like he was the most structurally sound as far as, like, form and everything yep. above – anybody else on that on that team because yeah. there's like obviously like we can watch we can watch footage and we can watch all this stuff just by the way their demeanor somebody's demeanor with their goggles on and the way they play yeah i know exactly who the fuck everybody is like yeah, yeah you yeah. kind of just get that as you as you scout teams and and even yep. players that you admire and all this other shit even players you don't like you just know how they play you know their their whole style of play and 100%. And there were very few players, and still, well, I think it's kind of getting smaller and smaller just because I think everybody's getting tighter and tighter, and it's just mm-hmm. fucking skill level, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But I feel like back then, those guys, there were very few guys that were ahead of their time like that and played like that and who were so accurate. Yeah. Oliver had really good timing, and he had just very good field awareness. Yeah. But fucking Angel had, and I think Yosh has the same thing. I think they so accurate dude like just fucking a couple balls and that's all they need the thing with yosh too is like he was so smart to know things on and off the field that you wanted that guy on your team like he'd been through it all and he'd know he he knows the answer to something that people don't know the answer to so it's like like i think that uh obviously with him still playing professional paintball is awesome just because like he knows the game yeah probably like 96 percent better like more than anybody else and it's like shit like it's pretty smart and that's what a lot of people don't realize is like those guys, like with Ryan, Alex, and those guys, like, they were all so smart and ahead of their time. Then it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. So like that, yeah, that was cool. Um, I think another player that a lot of people like they're big fans of, but I think that does so much on the field is Alex Goldman. Yeah. Um, he is like he could win you a tournament and he can cause a lot of problems for your team without you even realizing like that he doesn't a lot of people know that he shoots a lot of people but they don't realize like with his speed and how much he can push you or how smart he is when he plays mm-hmm. it's a whole nother level so it's like if you he can't reminds stop me him, a lot of angel yeah and uh i mean like that's that's what actually made me think of him because i said the snake god but uh i feel like he took over um and he you know he went pro at such a young age and he mm-hmm was a part of a lot of successful teams and has literally been a part of um, everything with impact on all their success. And it's like between him and Justin Rabikoff, like you got those two on the field, you have a good percentage of winning a paintball tournament. So yeah. it's yeah. like, it's cool. And then, um, yeah, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I feel like that with Chad George um, or mm-hmm. Federoff being on the team. And then, you know, it's just, it's hard. I mean, when you got Archie on the field uh, with X factor, um, him and Colt, they have a great um, percentage of doing those things, and it works out. Um, and then, uh, who has yeah, I don't a goofy, know who has a goofy style, but who's really good. I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you my answer. Um, but I want, I want to know, I want to hear a your goof, a goofy style, goofy style, um, goofy kind of just like structure of how they play and how they slide and how they kind of just perform paintball. Um, who is super goofy but is just consistent and just good, really good. Hmm. Um, he plays for your team, at least my Ryan is. Moorhead. I was gonna say <laughs> Ryan Moorhead, dude, is so he's so efficient though, but he has such this like flying squirrel esque like. Bro, he plays with no arm pads, and how much he dives insane, blows me away. Dude. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. He uh, yeah, he's definitely. I mean, he's just been, I don't know. He just has it. He's hardcore. Like, uh, yeah. He's a wild he, man. 
it doesn't matter if he's drinking all night or if he's completely sober. He's the same guy. We'll go out there and give you the same performance. It's sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe it's the hair. Maybe it's the hair flying all over. Yeah, the place. it could be. It could be the hair. You know. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's something. He's funny. I like having Ryan on the team a lot. Um, when he came to the team, he was always so positive. And then, uh, yeah, he voices opinion. Um, some guys don't even listen to him, and it just blows me away because I'm like, this dude knows exactly like what it takes to win, and mm-hmm. if we work as a team, and just his delivery to me is always good. So I feel like you know he's he's just a good teammate to have. And yeah. uh, there's other guys that I'm like, your delivery sucks. Who the fuck wants to listen to you? But, right. I think a lot or, of I think there's a certain amount of players out there who really know how to tap into their teammates, mm-hmm. and and he's yeah he's one of them he's yeah. one of them that does a good job with it and just how he talks to the guys and it's not like he like, tries to coddle you but he understands like some people are more sensitive than others and if he just approaches it all this way then it works out mm-hmm. so yeah so it's nice as much as I wanted to be a great paintball player I wanted to be known as a great teammate. And yeah. that was a that was a really big thing for me. And you know, and the shit that I would say in the huddles and the way I would, obviously, there are times that I'm not proud of to where I might have pointed a finger or came down on people. But most of the time, I tried to be as positive as I could and and tried yeah. to lead by example as much as I could. And that's what I want. That's what I wanted to represent and have people remember me more of of being a good teammate. Absolutely. No, I mean. Uh... I mean, and that's hard. That's a, that's a fine line you have to walk because it's like you want them to become better. Um, like I, sometimes I think I'm one of the hardest guys to have on the team with because I'll like literally scream at a dude because I'm in my head. I'm like, OK, A, you didn't prepare yourself to come to this practice or event. Mm-hmm. B, you're fucking up with every excuse possible and it's somebody else's fault. Or C, like you're not taking any kind of criticism and you're just being the negative guy. And it's like, like, why would I not yell at you? But somebody's got to be I, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to be and your it's position. like shit. Or just like not even just deal with them. And I'm like, yeah, you want to nobody talks to you because you're not giving yourself 110. percent So, right. and I've played with guys like that, and uh, it sucks. But like you said, if you want to be like known as a good teammate, it's hard because you do have to like have that in between moment. And it's like, and I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you know at the end of the day, like you were a good teammate to your guys and everything else, and then it is what it is. Like I'd rather be known as a good teammate than being like the asshole that nobody liked and we won a tournament, but everybody's pissed at me for it. You know, I'm like, yeah, well, right. Nobody calls me or fucking text me. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome guys. So, and I play with a lot of guys like that, that are just complete dicks or just literally like think that they know everything. And it's like, dude, if you just literally sat back and you worked hard and then you went to the next guy and you knew he worked just as hard as you, but if you're not working hard and you're not putting that same effort in, then you get shitty. And then all of a sudden everybody's talking shit and then there's problems on the team. So, yeah, I think a lot of the good teams, uh, the individuals hold themselves accountable. Uh, yes, I, I think that's a, I think that's a big thing with success itself is mm. is when you have that accountability factor. Um, and I I think that's what the divisional side, um, if your team is you know in a situation like that, you know it's it's when you it's when guys on teams start taking responsibility for themselves. And mm-hmm. and and the trust. And I, I and when I say good teammate, I, that's the majority of what it is: is mm-hmm. having the teammates be able to trust you and lead them into situations. And um, you know, it's 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 that's what it is. It's not it's not pointing the finger and and having doing yeah, demeaning shit against people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. You're right. And it's like when you can build that trust up. And uh, I felt like that's why Randy's kept the team at the same roster for so long, because then everybody starts to trust each other no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, to be honest with you, we had a shit year. We didn't win any tournaments until World Cup. 
But by the time World Cup came around, we'd already changed coaches, we'd done things differently, and all of a sudden everybody's trusting each other and everybody's mm-hmm. believing in the same bubble. And um, the team that kicked the shit out of us the most was the Russian Legion. They beat the brakes off us three or four times before we got to World Cup, and that was a team that we know we wanted to beat. Um, we had our personal reasons and we had our own like, reasons, like like just losing in general to them suck. But they work mm-hmm. hard. You have to respect everything that they do because they go in, they they work and they train the game. That's what they do for a job to make a living for their families. And it's like you can't take anything away from them. Like yeah. where the, where that team is right now, um, I can never say anything negative that they didn't deserve to win a tournament or they're they're not they're getting into the final so many times being lucky you know right right and yeah like, i think at this yeah. point it's kind of a no-brainer and you yeah. know and and if any of the younger team or younger players who are listening out there that's when your winning percentage goes up is when you step on the practice field 100 percent. and, 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 and you there, try and make yourself better yeah you're doing things and you're you're literally sacrificing your ego you're checking it at the door you're doing things to make yourself better you're, you're training your weaknesses at practice to make yourself better in the tournament if you practice harder than the game the game becomes easier for you itself and people don't realize that they don't they go to practice they're only training one side of the field or they're only doing different things i just heard marcelo and tyler talking on their podcast and they were talking about how players just stay in one little niche and they don't move around and it's mm-hmm. like Sometimes it's hard for players to do that because they don't play a lot, so they got to play their strength. But then you got other guys who are playing all around. Like Tyler Harmon, I feel like, is one of, if not the top player right now um, that anybody would want to have on their team because he's so good all over the field. He's got a great snapshot, but he's sacrificed so much. And all he's doing right now is training for paintball. All his life is is paintball. So it's like, why would he not be good? (laughs) Right, right. He's such a chameleon, dude. He can morph into whatever he wants, and yeah, uh, he plays all over. He's got he's got the the heart of a literally of a tiger, and it's like, like why would you not want to want to turn with this guy? This guy's doing everything in his power, and he believes everything in his power that he's going to do great things, and the guy next to him is going to do great things, and he builds you up like that. So I like Tyler a lot. I think he does a great job at that. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, there's a lot of teams that have players like that. They just haven't found them yet. Like they haven't like pulled that out of them yet. I think uh, a great player that a lot of people. Some saw it in um, in Vegas, which is Alex Rodriguez. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite players to watch because even if he goes on a spree of I'm just going to attack and hopefully my team cleans it up, he goes and gets dudes, no hesitation, and how he reads the field is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He reads the field and reacts so well that center players should study what he does because what he does is he – like when Dynasty lost him last year, they should have done everything in their power to keep him because I'll tell you what, like – he does a lot for a paintball team. Yeah. So, and I mean, I like it because the key, his life is paintball and like how he reads and reacts and he had to go to a team so he could take care of his own lifestyle. And he did that. He went to the Ironman, went back to the Ironman. But, uh, yeah, he's a great dude to, to watch and to, to study to, for a lot of players to see that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, insane. And, it's um, crazy. and I, I had mentioned the, the podcast that you and Ronnie had, uh, before, have you ever thought about doing just one by yourself? Uh, you know, it's been brought to my attention a few times. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you should do that, or I should have my own vlog and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've considered it just because I do like talking a lot, and I feel like I feel like my following every single day is growing. Like, mm-hmm. and I love it just because you know, like p- for people to have like my jersey or to even follow me, it's it's a blessing because like to know where I came from and like 
how I wasn't always the top guy on the team or anything else, you know, or to even have the, the teammates that I have and then I have a bigger following than them now is like, it's crazy. But it's also been a lot of sacrifice and time and people enjoy listening to me talk for some reason. I don't know why, but <laughs> but it works out. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I've considered it more and more. And I think that paintball needs more things like that because mm-hmm. like, like with what you're doing and then what like now Tyler and Marcelo are doing, um, Ronnie with his vlogs and things like that. I mean, there probably really isn't a reason why I shouldn't do that. So yeah. I'm working on a lot of different things here and there. But uh, yeah, I'll consider it now that you've brought it up more. <laughs> <laughs> you should, man. You're good. I mean, I think that what makes uh, what makes you a great candidate is that you're genuine. Um, you're not very opinionated. You kind of just see how, you know, you tell it how it is. And uh, you're not you're not this this figure who is just out as some kind of agenda right you you're you're a good dude who who knows what he's talking about and i think your experience in the game and your um your relationship to the game and to the people in it i think is is very valuable to yourself and i think yeah. that's what would be key for it i was thinking about that one day with this like players that i've known from like the old avalanche like i'm talking about like when lasoya lb Fowl and all those guys um, like to watch those guys, how they came up mm-hmm. and how a lot of them, like even with Ravenous guys, a lot of those guys took jobs in paintball. Yeah. And I was like, okay, either a, you're going to be like in Maddie Marshall. And I were talking about this one day, a, you're going to be paid as a killer to play paintball. B you're going to be the face of somebody's company and get paid or, uh, C they're going to pay you for the knowledge of the game. There's only three true big ways to get paid in this game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can at least get two of the three or even all three, then you're going to be successful. And I feel like you're going to be happy in the sport of paintball. Um, it's hard because to be a trained killer or a, like a paid killer for a team, you have to sacrifice a lot of things and it's hard to have a full on career and things like that because this is what you have to be good at for anybody to be good at something. If anybody ever reads the a book called 48 laws of power, you have to put 10,000 hours in. If you can't yeah. tell yourself you put 10,000 hours in, or even knowing the fact that you practice that much, then you're probably not going to be great at something. But a lot of people don't realize this also is a lot of players develop so young that are so great right now. Mm-hmm. Impact was so good at um, at one point they were like I didn't think they were untouchable, but they had so many talented players that came out of Mike Hinman's camp. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Goldman, Dalton, Brandon Cornell, Rainy Stanzak. Those kids all came from Mike Kimmon. Mike Kimmon found them or were already like playing for Aftermath and they were winning a lot younger. They had their resources from Mike. And, you know, if he went back and pulled all those guys and or kept them all together, um, imagine what they, how much they could have won then. Because, mm-hmm. and, I, and I felt like Dave did a good job by bringing those guys into Impact's um, camp because they, they didn't win before that. Before those certain guys came, and it's hard, like you said. I mean, you know how hard it is to win a pro tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like he did exactly that, and you know, Mike Hemmen brought those kids to that level, and it's like they de- he developed them, and then uh, you know they all went separate ways. But at the same time, like I don't know, like they're just incredible. I mean, even when Tyler was playing with them, like Bob Long, like how many guys he found? He found what Tyler at twelve. Yeah, and, <laughs> he and, was so tiny, dude. Yeah, such a but little he, guy. Yeah. But he also put his head down to the grindstone and he got told what was up. The times were different then. I was just telling somebody this uh, tonight, uh, Jason Barrett. I was talking to him. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, we were talking about, I had a kid come to a clinic. I won't say his name or anything like that, but uh, he got bonus ball in the clinic. And I, like, uh, 
at night, I was like, hey, you're not going to be a little bitch and worry about that tomorrow. You're going to give it to him worse. Well, then he took it as me calling him a little bitch and he quit. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, all right, well, like, obviously you're not going to make it. But people don't understand like what we would really endure. Like my first aftershock practice I ever went to, uh, Blake Pruitt and uh, Speedy got in a fist fight on the middle of a game because they didn't get the gun fast enough to him. So it was like, it's crazy. So yeah, times are different, but at the same time, like Definitely if you different can, time. yeah, if you can take criticism like that, you'll develop as a paintball player, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that too. So, and uh, bringing it back to you, I think that if you can figure out a way to do it by yourself too, and mm-hmm. not with somebody, yeah, I, yeah, or not with somebody, but meaning yeah, not doing it by yourself, not a duo, but then also being able to do it episodes just you yeah, talking, yeah. I think would be. Great, because you don't really want to rely too much on always doing interviews, and then it's always kind of this thing. Like, like I love to do th- to, to do them by myself sometimes, mm-hmm. but sometimes I feel like I'm I'm a little too like pushy and opinionated with things. So I'm trying to like I work on some of that stuff. So it's it's like it. That's what I would like to do is be able to get to a position where I. I'm not always needing to have people on where I can, I can kind of just, but the thing is, is I would love to talk about stories that I remember, but it's mm-hmm. my memory is such dog shit that it takes having other people on my podcast to have Bring trigger my brain to be able yeah. to make a two hour conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's hard. And, uh, like that's something like Scott Kemp and I were talking about this once and, uh, literally, uh, we would test each other, send each other text messages and test each other on like, okay, who won this tournament this year? And like I said, I remembered when you won with excessive in Chicago. And I thought that if there was an MVP at the time that you should have got it for that event because you were on. I remember your parents were there. You were unstoppable. You and like nobody really knew who you were because at the time, because you were the new guy on the team. But because of how you played in that tournament, Thomas Taylor and Rich Telford um, was, did you play with red? I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's yeah, and like all these big names on the team, but then like, I mean, even with Maddie, like it was just hard because I mean they they all knew that you were good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like if there was an MVP at that time to like how they hand out now, like I think that in that tournament you would have got it because you were just going through slaughtering dudes left and right. I remember you ran to the snake, you slid in, you fell. And on your slide in, you shot like two dudes like coming down the snake. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this dude has it right now. And then you were faster than everybody. So I was like, okay, who's this fast guy that's shooting everybody? And I was like, shit. And then like it wasn't the first X-Ball tournament that they'd won, but I think it was it was one of the, the first um, – because I think the very first one they won in X-Ball was 2005 Five. NEO yep. against Dynasty. Yep. Because yep. Dynasty won the first couple and then they lost that one and then they lost – and then you guys lost to uh, – dynasty in the finals we took second place in chicago um in 05 and then Mm -hmm. denver happens uh oh yeah you guys won denver the pro seven man wins denver um and then we go in and we play uh we play dynasty again at neo and and Mm -hmm. beat them there yep twice yeah yeah and the the prelims and then in the finals right yeah and uh it was crazy because then that's when a lot of times it drew the like the the line in the sand for if you were a dynasty fan or an excessive fan because that was cool that was a cool thing about it yeah yeah that's uh we went back and forth with impact and that's what i felt like to me when i was like being on heat Mm -hmm. is with impact and heat they were just going back but i was like oh these are two powerhouse teams because they got the most money but it's like no these are two most talented teams that are going back and forth right now and everybody's like and then you had it all of a sudden where x factor started winning tournaments and then the russians were coming up again um they're back through their camp of what they put their guys through and uh so now there's a lot more adversity but at the same time like 
when Dynasty and Excessive did that, it made me, it reminded me so much of like with Heat and Impact. Like every time I thought about when people talk about these two powerhouse teams, I'm like, I remember these two powerhouse teams like always <laughs> being there. And I was like, that's all who you're expected to see in the finals. And it was like, shit, like this is crazy. Yeah. I think uh, every, every like three, four years or something like that, I think there's this generation uh, that has a big rivalry. And, yeah. you know, and, and I was, super stoked to be a part of that like little chunk of time of a yeah. giant rivalry on in the spotlight kind of a thing no it's cool and uh i thought that when you left um because what you had the options between the ironman avalanche when you left excessive because the ironman were really starting to go out and like a t- like buy players or attack like anybody that was good on a team they would go after him because then they they were putting out the contract because when oliver went there mm-hmm. and then it was like um when you and brandon and uh, Danny all went to uh, Avalanche. I was like, shit, like they're about to be the team. And then, uh, how many times you guys playing this, like in the seven man and finals, like for that, you know? I think like three, two, three times in seven yeah. man. And, yeah. uh, which people don't realize how hard it was to get there in general. So it was like, shit. So, yeah, it was, it was tough, dude. I've, that was, that was always been a big goal of mine was to win a seven, a pro seven man tournament. And yeah. I, with, with excess energy, um, in Miami of 05, we won the semi-pro to get the pro spot, but I've yeah, never, yeah, yeah. I've never won a pro seven-man tournament, and it fucking kills me to this day. Yeah, it's, it was hard. I mean, Dynasty ran amok for so long on it between them and the Naughty Dogs, always being in the finals when I was younger, and then uh, yeah, dude, Naughty Dogs were fucking good too. Dude, I love it when I see Rocky still playing, and I got see him like writing stuff, and I'm like, dude, and he's like, I can't believe you remember me. I'm like, I remember you. I yeah, remember. Dude. Yeah, I remember a lot of things those guys did with Map and those guys. We we went out to we played out in Seattle once with the Maps restaurant that he worked at at the time, mm-hmm. and or he's managing, and it was so nice. It was like a top ten steakhouse. It was so sweet, and uh, but to go to his restaurant and like see him out of his element like that, because like that was like one of the guys too that went from excessive, mm-hmm. um, and, or Naughty Dogs to excessive and excessive to uh, Dynasty at the time. But like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah I want to get him on here too. Dude, you should. He's got a lot of good like knowledge, man. Like mm-hmm. he's like I love talking to him, and uh, even with Corey, like that dude. I like I like Corey so much because people don't realize like he was at the top notch team. They he backed away from paintball a lot, and then he did everything or he does everything in his power to have a competitive professional paintball team. And like mm-hmm. they sell a lot of paintball guns. They are the team in the in the uh, in the Northwest, and it's like he's created that element because he sacrificed so much for paintball. So it's like yeah. I, I I love everything about Corey Field, uh, what he's got going on with his team, and he's probably not the easiest guy to deal with because he does do so much or whatever. But at the same time, like 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 being on the outside looking in, I love it. I love it that like since 2012 they created Seattle Thunder, and they come on the scene and like they they struggled a lot, but he's also had to sacrifice a lot of they just busting their ass to get to the next event. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck. But it's sweet because uh, you see guys like that, and you're like, man, like, how do you not like tip your hat off to that guy? You know, dude, Corey Field is definitely one of the most underrated players um, since the Naughty Dog days. And I always thought of Corey as he's he's always one of the last guys left. He's always really good at that. Always, dude, always, he's always. There, and he's yeah. always had a really, really fucking on point shot. Yeah. Always, yeah. dude, and yeah. that, I've He's, always uh, known him because of that. I was like, that dude has, and I, and coming from me, like not being conceited or anything, but I like practiced on my accuracy, like to yeah, shoot yeah. as l- less pain as possible, but to be yeah. the most accurate one that accurate that I could be. Yeah, and then I would look at some guys and be like, that dude is fucking accurate. Like I would, yeah. I could be able to pinpoint that shit. I was like, oh, God, it's so oh, nasty. Yeah. 
and you'd ask him to shoot off the break and he'd shoot a dude almost every single time and it's every like every time he's yeah he's clutch and then uh and he's done a good job now but like uh, he's got a lot of young kids in his program mm-hmm. or younger guys that are hungry that are always at the paintball field and yeah. that's what you want out of your team and you see him um I feel like people don't realize it, but Jeremy Salm has a lot of talent. Um, like they didn't do well in the first event, but they have a lot of talent on their team that they're underrated with just because of how they performed at the event. Right. But once they get enough time under them, I feel like they're going to break out and then they'll be into Sunday. And I think that um, I think he, he runs into a problem too. Like we were talking about earlier, a lot of guys, if they don't listen to what he has to say and that everybody's on their own agenda, then it all goes to shit. But he sees things that they don't understand. and He's tough to get along with, though. He is, but I feel like enough of them have been there, um, and they just work together with him. Like, like I played golf with Jeremy, mm-hmm. and his delivery in golf is, like, it's unbelievable. Like, he's such, like, okay, hey, take this shot here. Here's how you hit it and stuff like that. Like he's, but, but with paintball, that's what he's known all of his life is how to be aggressive like that and, like, get it into their heads. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, so it's it's hard on his delivery, but at the same time, like he sees things for those guys, and so when they reject it or they don't understand it, then it, nobody's on the same page, and then it is going to piss him off because that dude has sacrificed a lot for paintball too, you know. I mean, Maybe he comes off because him and I have just kind of we've been like on and off. Like when I when I was back, it was like we we would have the last thing I always wanted to do was argue at practices. And for some yeah. reason, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Whenever we practice them, it was always, it would always turn An into argument. a fucking fuck you, fuck you. And it's like, yeah, can we just like play paintball? And if you bounce me, like, don't fucking be mad at me. dude. Yeah. I think that just comes out of pride for him wanting his team to win because he wants to show him how much talent he has. And it, I mean, like you said, it is hard because yeah, you're getting that, like that motherfuck conversation. But at the same time, like I've been um, on both sides of it. I've been at where he'd spend a practice and we got in a huge fucking fight. And then, um, I've also been practicing with his kids and mm-hmm. a lot of them, like he'll say things to them. They go completely fucking blank and then they don't listen to him. <laughs> and I can see why he gets frustrated and he's yeah. like, what the fuck? And then he feels like then all of a sudden his team's getting cheated and they probably are because there's nobody reffing anybody and everybody's out there for pride instead of learning. Yeah. But, um, so I understand if his delivery is hard sometimes um, or why he gets like pissed about shit is because like how much he's given to this game and how much right. time he's like, spent. I mean, yeah, I'd be, I'd be fucking furious too. I'd be like, all right, what the, what, what, why do I drive here every single weekend to teach these kids how to do things and they don't want to listen to me? I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. So, I mean, he's got guys on there he's been with since the beginning. And I think uh, it was one of the most underrated players is Fred Berkeley. Um, <laughs> that dude, he, <laughs> he plays so much. <laughs> Maybe maybe we should maybe I should take back the Moorhead comment about the goofiest style, Goofy. there but you the go. most efficient. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets that one. Yep. He uh, yeah, because he doesn't even have to wear headgear and he just goes out there and does it. And how it's he like, doesn't get shot more often boggles yeah. my fucking not nothing against him, nothing at all against him. Just yeah. his form and how he plays, and that's it. Boggles my mind how. But he gets the job done, man. He gets the job done, and I'm watching him going. He's gonna get shot any minute. He's gonna get shot any minute. How is nobody shooting this dude? And he fucking I'm shoots everybody. He, I watched him play like three tournaments in a row, and his team is getting fucking pummeled. And he was the last guy every single time. And I'm like, somebody just write down what he's doing and just try to do what he's doing to stay the fuck alive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. And it, it, I mean, he gets frustrated just as much, and like right. he sacrificed a lot, but he loves the game. 
Like he does a lot and he loves the game. Uh, a kid that they have on their team now who I think is a raw athlete is a kid named Dave Haber. Um, he just has to continue to keep doing what he's doing. He mm-hmm. sacrifices a lot. He's He moved uh, to Indiana for the team, I believe, took a job here. And uh, I think he does a good job. He keeps himself in shape. And like he plays almost every single point on that team uh, with Fred now. And he's only been pro, I think, a couple of years, but he has a lot of potential. And it's like yeah. Psalm's team has a lot of potential. They just have to continue to grind, and mm-hmm. it'll work out for them. So, yeah. And, I think, and I, listen. They need to listen a little yes. more. So. Yes. And, and I think if there's any sport out there that where the, the most underrated-looking player could perform – would be would be paintball like the goofiest guy that you can look at and go that guy's a professional athlete and he's really good at what he does you can look at him and go that fucking that guy that guy right there listen that's so one, of the, one of the best paintball players because it's so funny <laughs> uh my fiance and i watched this show with the rock and he produces it it's called the titan games mm-hmm. and so he gets these raw athletes mma fighters uh like they're professional football players and there's uh who was it um who was the guy from he just retired from the Cleveland Browns, but he played every single game. He never missed a game. Uh, Joe something. I have no but, idea. Um, you know him if you saw him. He's a completely different guy now, but he was a lineman. Oh, uh, oh no, he's not a lineman. Never mind. I was going to say Charlie Manziel, but that's oh, no, completely no, no. different. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't watch football, um, so I have no idea. Nah, but uh, this guy, he literally uh, was just like a raw athlete, and they had this kid come in, and he called himself Country Strong, and he was in, from a town that was 280 people. And literally, he'd beaten like three or four weeks in a row, just beat everybody, just because. And he was not in any shape that I thought. And I was like, "What the hell?" And he's really? like, "I'm country strong." He's like, "I do it for NASCAR and I do it for my family." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and I'm like, I, "That's the one thing that reminded me of paintball." I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Man, you look at these dudes. You never expect it. Ah, I'm not gonna lose this guy." And then all of a sudden, you're getting fucking mollywopped by some dude with a gun. And I'm like, "God, this sucks." Fucking paintball <laughs> strong, dude. Yeah, dude. That's yeah. that's so insane. And yeah, and it's so true because you, you underestimate anybody. And yeah, especially now screwed. in the pros. I'll tell you what, we did that in Vegas. We had to play um, level up, Revo, uh, no. Revo. No, no, not level up. Um, we're playing Revo, and so the schedule. This was what kind of sucked. The schedule um, for some teams in the afternoon, they played in the dark. So instead of them making the continue to make them play in the dark, because um, the how the layout was, it was taking so long on the points. Like mm-hmm. the points were just drawn out, and it wasn't anybody's fault. It's just how it happened. Um, I mean, nobody's going to know that it was going to do that. And then so they let teams go into Sunday morning before they played in the Sunday bracket to play the rest of their prelim games. But as well as you probably know, if you have a chance to warm up in a match that matters or doesn't matter, but then you're not going in cold, it's difficult. And mm-hmm. when we went in there, we went in there to play a team that already played one or two matches that morning. And we got beat. And I was like, A, that sucks. You wouldn't expect to lose. And especially that early on Sunday. And B, it sucks that they just went and played two prelim games to figure shit, more shit out on Sunday. Yeah. Well, we're going in for the first time, and then we lost Chad George, and I was like, "Fuck!" And I was oh, like, that's right. He like, yeah. blew his knee, didn't he, or something like nah, that? No, he uh, he rolled his ankle pretty hard uh, going to bunker J Rab. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. the snake. I, yeah. yeah. And then uh, yeah, it sucked. And then especially losing that guy. But at the same time, it's like you go in there without your starting snake guy, and then a team that's already played. And I got no excuses. They came out and they beat us. I mean, they. Like simply just beat us, mm-hmm. and then, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's things like that that people don't like take accountable for. But sometimes, like when you see younger teams like that, you don't know what to expect, and it's well, hard to like. That, that, those are the Upton one eight seven guys, though, right? Some of correct. them, 
they had joined together with like I think they took Baltimore Revo and one eight seven and merged them together because as two teams they couldn't afford to put professional paintball because it's obviously expensive. Mm-hmm. But together they could get their sponsors to work together and then they just go back and forth. And those guys drive like a long ways. Like I think sometimes like we went out there a couple times to play them in Boston and some of them were like, Yeah, I drove like eighteen hours or sixteen hours. I'm like, Holy fuck. And like they went from practicing in their backyard to driving down to Baltimore or driving up to Boston and it was like Shit, that sucks. But they do it and they sacrifice it. So, and then they picked up a few other guys um, this year um, just because they got more sponsorship and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, it was uh, they beat us, and it was uh, it's shitty. Luckily, everybody forgot about it, and the Ironman won, so they were more shocked <laughs> about that. So I was like, "Fuck." So, uh, dude, I'm so happy to see uh, LJ when I when I saw that they won and uh, and LJ Parrish. Oh, LJ Parrish, yeah, he did a really good job. Dude, like, I uh, love I'm, that dude. I'm so I wanted to I win remember. a tournament with him too. Yeah, I remember practicing them, and uh, Maddie called me after. He's like, How you th- what do you think about the Ironman? I was like, they're dangerous. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, people don't realize like, it, what like what Todd has is he has kids that will go to the snake. He has kids that will run through the center, that, that will make sacrifices to do things, and he has a lot of young talent. He actually has another kid in the program. He's like 15 years old, and the kid is really good. His communication's good. His dad has no hesitation. Like He just does it. He knows it. Mm-hmm. And uh, his family is uh, – they they – fly him out from utah um and they just they just practice with the iron right now but todd has done a great job with the budget that he's had to bring on um guys to make his shit work and it paid off for him yeah so it worked out because they don't have the biggest budget and they i mean they can offer certain things like uh guns and things like that to teams but for him to go out and find local talent or just to figure out what we can spend our money on for the team and lj Parrish is one of them to fly him in is like good for him and good for them because then they got a great player. Um, He's a soldier, does, dude. Yeah, and he doesn't really like uh, he doesn't really back down to things. You know, he's not really scared of things. Like mm-hmm. he, you got little guys that are just talk a lot and don't say shit, but he's just he's there to he's there to get the job done, and he and he did a good job of it, and he and he paid off for him. That's what I love so, about him. Yeah, so I mean, I think that was his first one, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. So I was happy for them. Um, like I was standing there and I was like. To even people who have helped him out for the last four or five years and then what Todd's gone through with him, it's not easy. It's not easy having a low budget or just dealing with guys that leave all the time or leave for bigger paychecks and things like that or guys that, that you pay a bunch of shit to and then all of a sudden they're not performing. It's like, fuck, what decision yeah. did I just make myself look like when they, they're not performing? So it's like shit. So What a dog situation to go in, win the first event of the year, and then all the shit happens. No, but like I think they – I mean, they're riding it out, like right, like they're the only team to win all year and everything else. But oh, yeah. uh, it's, I mean, it's sweet in a way, but it's also yeah, yeah. shit because it's like it makes you hungrier. Yeah, you're just like, like fuck. Well, let's fucking yeah. do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing is like getting to that hump is like, I, I would say we got blessed with the fact that in 2012 we won. So it, we played. It's when we had to merge two events in Galveston because Galveston got rained out or like mm-hmm. stormed out or whatever. Went to Phoenix, played the tournament. Took second, got beat on by damage, but I didn't have to sulk for fucking two months, three months to go to the next one. We, the next day, we started another tournament. We go and then we win that event, and I, like it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, we're playing the finals again. We played finals four to five times that year, and it was like that's what you were hungry for, and that's what mm-hmm. like, keeps driving people. And I mean, Impact's done it. The Russians have done it now. X Factor did it when they won back-to-back tournaments and things like that. So it's yeah. like to go and have that hunger. It's super hard, and it's a lot of sacrifice, but it's possible. Yeah, so. yeah. To win to win that tournament um, after such a long wait is 
mm-hmm. is a, an amazing feeling, but an even better feeling is playing Sunday, the very next event. I think. Yes. 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 So I think yeah, you're, get, I think you're riding a high that that is that. I mean, you're talking about us coming off a World Cup win, and then you're waiting three months, and we were we were feeling so good going into that event, and then that happened on Sunday, and I was like, fuck. But we also lost a key player who gets the job done all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know when Chad George hasn't gotten the job done. So when we didn't have him, we just had to step back and be like, okay, let's figure this out. And we didn't figure it out. So I was like, shit. But uh, Those are hard shoes to fill. Dude, yeah. And, uh, you know, we do have caliber players that can do that. It's just uh, maintaining the right aspect. And when a team's already warmed up on you, mm-hmm. you get beat. So it's like, all right. And we got yeah. beat. So we got no excuses. We just got beat. So. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is life. <laughs> You fucking yeah. get beat down, but you pick yourself yeah, up, you dust oh, yourself yeah. off, and you continue 100%. Moving. 100%. So. Well, dude, it's been two hours and 20 minutes. That was, Shit. That was awesome. Just talking away. I appreciate it, That's but cool. I, I'm 100% serious when I think you should, uh, even if it's for like a little 20-minute like fucking just rambles of yeah. like on a subject or on a on a thing or a whatever, dude. Yeah. Just try and maybe do something like that. They don't need to be two-hour-long conversations. Just fucking. Yeah, yeah. Just keep people interested. It's, it's another content, and it's very low maintenance. Uh, yeah. Not not saying that it's not low responsibility or anything like that, but it's. I think it's very, it's very low low maintenance. In, I mean, you got to put effort in to do it, but you're just yeah, ta- yeah. you're just speaking your mind on the microphone. It's not like you're doing fucking Ronnie's job, where yeah. you got to stand in front of the camera. It. Dude, amazing yeah. job, but yeah. I couldn't. Not that I don't want to put the work in. Yeah. I just know it's a lot of work, and I'm like, I just don't have the time to, to it, put all that is. work in. Dude, he like he's every day he's on it, but he's trying to make it, you know, where it takes care of his lifestyle, and he's doing a really good job with how much content, new things, and then like coming up with ideas. He he's open to watching other people. He networks well. He's good mm-hmm. with it. So no, I'll put my hat off to him. So that's one dude I'm real real proud of. So. Yeah, he's he's doing awesome, man. Um, yeah. but yeah, but think about it. Uh, think about your podcast. And is there is can what's your uh, social medias and what's your little video game uh, name people can follow you uh, um it's all it's all chad yaya boucher everybody wants me to change it to the leopard king because i have kind of taken over the uh the leopard uh the leopard print on things and uh it works out and it's going real well but uh, it's uh my instagram is chad yaya boucher and then uh my twitch is twitch.tv chad yaya boucher so sweet man appreciate you i, I actually want to shout out to hk and dlx as well and uh i appreciate you Appreciate you having me on here. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. I I'm, I apologize for not having you on sooner. Oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't come on sooner. <laughs> <laughs> no, this it works out great. I think you know everything happens for you know a reason, and yeah. uh, we might not have had this good of a conversation before, but so. Oh yeah. There it is. So, Thanks, you, man. My friend. Absolutely. Have a good night. Have you too. Later. Thank you so much, yeah, yeah, for sitting down and having a conversation with me. Appreciate it, bud. Love you. And, uh, and yeah, dude, that was, that was awesome. Gets my blood going. I, man, should I come back? Should I come back? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, but thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, it's, it's greatly appreciated. And if you guys have any questions or anything like that, please contact me over at, uh, playingonpodcast.com. It has all kinds of information and uh, an email and comments and inquiries that you guys have about the podcast, you can find it theplayingonpodcast.com, which is brought to you by Constant Pursuit. That is Rusty Glaze himself, uh, who is pumping out some awesome, awesome websites for paintball companies. Well, paintball fields, paint, 
guys in paintball and gals in paintball. But, uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I really, really much appreciate it. And uh, make sure, please do not text and drive. Keep your eyes on the road. Listen to podcasts like this one. And we'll see you here again soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.